the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. It is the Nick D Podcast. How are you? I'm Nick DeGilio. I am your host. and We are the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, the best podcast network in the world, where you can hear tons of really informative and entertaining and funny and fantastic podcasts that range in styles and subjects that you can't even imagine. We also stream 24-7 Radio Misfits.live, a 24-7 streaming service. It's like radio, only a lot cooler. You can hear this podcast daily at 3 p.m. Central, and you can hear my other podcast, That Show Hasn't Been Funny in Years, an SNL podcast, daily at 9 a.m. Central, plus Unheard Music from the Unheard Music Show uh, and some great other podcasts as well. It's radiomisfits.live. Get in there now and check out that streaming service right here at radiomisfits.com. Uh, it is the Nick D. Show. It is episode number 177. It's a Friday. And every other Friday, we are blessed with the company of Eric Childress and Steve Procopi, two members of the Chicago Film Critics Association, who are my film critic buddies, and we review movies every other week. Lots of big movies to talk about. Uh, Eric just got back from the Toronto Film Festival, so he'll tell us some of the movies that he saw out there, some of the stuff that we'll be able to see later in the year uh, that he got to see already. So a nice preview of things to come from in the movie world that were screened at the Toronto International Film Festival. And our good buddy Eric will give us a rundown on that. Plus, me and Eric and Steve will review all the new movies as we do every other week. So movie reviews coming up. The great Esmeralda Leon, who is my partner in crime, who is my buddy. She is on every single episode and she will stop by. We are going to do a magic megaphone uh, request and we are at some point we're going to get back to the celebrity rumors thing which we keep trying to get to but you know when Esmeralda and I just start talking and kicking it we have such a great time sometimes we don't even get to the topic that we're going to get to so who knows what's going to happen it's kind of up in the air <clears throat> whatever it is whenever I talk to Esmeralda it's fantastic it's entertaining it's fun and it's great and she rules and she's my partner and she's going to be at Zanies with me we are returning to Zanies and Rosemont that's right this podcast, the Nick D podcast, is going to be live, recording a podcast with an audience, doing a lot of comedy, doing a lot of entertainment, taste testing some weird Halloween candy, and having a special guest on stage with us. My dad will get up on stage and tell a joke. If you've been to our Nick D live, um, our Nick D podcast live events, you know how hilarious they are and how entertaining and how you are involved. It is a great night out, and we are returning after a few months, taking the summer off, basically, uh, from Zanies and Rosemont, and we're coming back. Tuesday, October 24th, 7.30 showtime, 6.30 doors open at Zany's in Rosemont. Very easy to get to. Parking lot all over the place. Parking lot right there. Easy to park. Uh, there is restaurant. There are restaurants and bars and all kinds of really cool stuff to do. You can get something to eat before or after the show. It's uh, Tuesday, October 24th, 
and it is the Nick D Podcast Live. Everything you love about this podcast live, and you're there, and you can participate. Esmeralda Leon on stage with me. We're going to talk about all kinds of really fun stuff. We'll uh, talk with you. We've got really cool prizes to give away. We get some dinners from Gail Street Inn, and we got some gift cards from Apt Electronics. We got a megaphone to give away as well. There'll be taste tests of weird Halloween candy since we're going to be so close to Halloween. We're going to talk about scary things. Our special guest that night. Andrea Darlis. You gotta love Andrea Darlis. Worked with her over at the Stupid Car Wash at WGN for many years. She was on the morning show. She co-hosted many shows there. She did news. She was on WGN TV. She now has a podcast of her own, and she also appears on WLS AM 890, the Big 89, and uh, regularly fills in with Steve Cochran on the Steve Cochran Morning Show. So I get to work with her uh, a lot over at WLS, and she is going to be live on stage with us. I'm going to interview her the first time I've ever interviewed live Andrea Darlis. So we'll get to know the great Andrea Darlis, who's been in the business for a long time, my old friend from years and years and years over at WGN. And she's going to be up on stage with us answering questions and having some fun. It's going to be hilarious and entertaining. So it's me, Esmeralda Leon, Andrea Darlis, on stage. My dad's going to get up and tell some jokes at the end of the show. We always have a great time at Zanies, and I want to thank uh, Chris, and I want to thank, uh, thank Alice and Alex and everybody at Zanies, the staff, everybody. You will have a great time, have some drinks, have some food, watch some comedy on stage, participate in it. We'll be giving away some prizes and answering some questions. It is going to be an absolute blast. I guarantee that you will laugh. You will have a good time. You will be very entertained. So you come out, bring your friends, bring your relatives, bring the Jagoff neighbor next door that you don't like. Bring everybody. Let's pack that place because it's going to be a blast. And the tickets are on sale right now. Again, the Nick D Podcast Live. My dad, Andrea Darlis, Esmeralda Leon, all kinds of really cool prizes, Halloween, scary stuff. It's going to be great. You will be there. Get your tickets now, rosemont.zanies.com. Tickets are on sale right now, rosemont.zanies.com. You can call the box office, get your tickets there, or ask any questions that you have. 847-813-0484. Zanies and Rosemont box office, 847-813-0484. rosemont.zanies.com. The tickets are on sale right now. Again, the Nick D Podcast Live. Great entertainment. You'll be a part of it. Andrea Darlis is a special guest. Tuesday, October 24th, Zanies and Rosemont. Get your tickets now, rosemont.zanies.com, and we will see you all there. It's going to be a blast. Um, hey, you want to leave a voicemail to be a part of this podcast? We want to hear from you. 24-7, the voicemail is open, 773-417-6948. We listen to every single voicemail we get, and we play many of them back. Suggestions, comments, whatever you want. Email system, wide open. We love to read them. Any suggestions, comments, contributions, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. If you would like to be a sponsor, if you've got something you want to advertise with us, a product, or something that you would like to be advertised, lots of people listen to this podcast. It would be good for you and your product. Be a sponsor. Write to us, sales at radiomisfits.com. Jason Skaggs does all the music and the sounds and the themes and the weirdness. And the great Ed Silla is my main man. He does everything else. This podcast wouldn't exist without Ed and everybody at Radio Misfits. Rate and review us on every platform. Take the time to give us your feedback and all that cool stuff. It is going to be a fantastic time on October 24th because all the fun stuff that we do will be live and you will be a part of it. <clears throat> Can't wait. So excited. Eric Childress is freshly back from the Toronto International Film Festival. You know who's fresh. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. I know you do, baby. She's here all the time. What can I tell you? I love Carrie Russell. She lives on my back Hi, porch. I'm what am Carrie I going to tell you? And oh, yeah. I love Nick's show. That's correct. Eric Childress is back from Toronto. Steve uh, Procopi and I will talk with him. All three of us will review the new movies. Uh, and that is coming up uh, right after this. Hey there. 
Are you tired of that same old, the same old stories? Well, buckle up because Brian Alaspas devoured. Yeah, that's right. Brian Alaspas devoured is about to take you on a wild ride. St. Louis is teetering on the edge with riots, unrest, and the mayor's downright stubborn insistence that the 4th of July must go on. But don't tell that to public safety manager Logan Field. He's got problems bigger than the most overcooked barbecue. With a deadly attack, a missing boy, and mysterious events that make your Aunt Sally's ghost stories look like a fairy tale, something sinister is brewing in the city. Logan's at his wit's end. The only help he can find is a struggling hunter and a professor who's a whiz with ancient evils. It sounds like the start of a bad joke, right? But there's nothing funny about what's awakening in St. Louis. So join the race against time as this unlikely trio faces down an evil as old as time itself. Think your commute's tough? Try saving a city from being, you guessed it, devoured. Brian Alaspa's Devoured will have you laughing and gasping and frantically flipping pages. So grab some popcorn, turn down those lights, and dive into a world where saving the city just might be the craziest 4th of July ever, and trust us, it's more exciting than a sparkler, and the only thing that might get burned is the midnight oil as you read till dawn. Brian Alaspa's Devoured. Thrilling, chilling, and the perfect way to spice up your summer. It's available now in paperback for Kindle exclusively through Amazon.com. Brian Alaspa's Devoured. Congratulations. You're about to listen to the Nick D Podcast. It's by far the best decision you've made today. It makes the other podcasts seem like crap. Oh yeah, don't be a jackal. And it is time for some movie reviews, as you can tell by the music that we just played. Eric Childress and Steve Procopi join me every other week to review all the new movies right here on the Nick D Podcast. We've been doing this for a very, very, very long time. And uh, some interesting stuff to talk about. And in fact, uh, Eric uh, just got back from the Toronto Film Festival, which is wrapping up uh, over the next couple of days. Um, And Eric was there for a few days, a bunch of days, actually. And he's going to tell us about some of the stuff that he saw as a preview for some of those movies that we'll be able to see in the coming weeks and months. So let's say officially hello to the guys. Let's say hello first to Eric Childress. Hello, Eric. Hello. Hello. And Steve Procopi. Hello, Steve. Hello there. All right. Let's, uh, Eric, uh, by way of intro, people know who you are, but let's, uh, for the people who might not, Eric, tell everybody where they can uh, read your stuff and hear your stuff and see your stuff and all that stuff. Yes, uh, I have a couple of podcasts that are available on the Now Play Network, uh, the Movie Madness podcast that Steve is a regular weekly guest on, and we do uh, Blu-ray talks there as well with Peter Subzinski. Uh, then there's also The Friendship Dilemma with Morgan Geyer. We're actually going to be taping a new episode this very weekend, so we'll have a new episode of that. And I do a box office column for Rotten Tomatoes every Monday afternoon. All right. Uh, can you reveal what movie you and Morgan are going to talk about? We're going to be talking about Causeway. We've been waiting. We've been oh, delaying. That's yeah. the last one we were we were left off to do, um, yeah. and uh, we're finally getting uh, back kind of back on track with the show. Well, I'm glad that movie is getting a little getting a little talk because um, uh, wildly ignored last year and a really terrific. Very movie. Despite so. the fact, despite the fact that uh, Paperboy got an Oscar, not Paperboy. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> got, got an Oscar nomination. Uh, uh, but anyway, uh, great great movie. I can't wait to hear your talk on that. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, so a bunch of podcasts there. You just got back from Toronto. 
Yes, I did. And we'll talk a little bit about that as well. Uh, and uh, Steve Procopi is with us. Tell everybody where they can read your stuff and see you and all that. Yeah, in addition to the movie Madness podcast every week with Eric, uh, also you can read my reviews and interviews at thirdcoastreview.com. And uh, I'm the PR manager over at the Music Box, so I'm Music Box Theater, so I'm there a lot. And in the, in the midst of my uh, bringing back the Wilder, uh, Billy Wilder matinee series, we're two weeks into it. This will be the third week. Um, it is, it's uh, as always, just like stepping right back into it. Um, yeah, it's been, again very successful. So I'm thrilled to that that we got to do some more of these titles. Yeah, we were there for witness for the prosecution. It was great. I hadn't seen yeah. that movie. In, I hadn't seen that movie in years. Man, what a great movie! Um, yes, and what a really funny movie. I forgot how yeah. funny it was. Um, Charles Lawton, God, spectacular in it. Um, yeah. No, terrific movie. Uh, um, and, you know, I love, like, the last... Because the, the last 10 minutes is just, like, after reveal, after reveal, after reveal, after reveal. Yeah. <laughs> pretty pretty great stuff. Pretty great stuff. And based on an Agatha Christie, which we, we could segue right into. How about exactly. that? You see how that works? We're not going to segue right into that, though. But uh, but we do have an Agatha Christie movie to talk about. But first, Eric, uh, how many years now... Now you, you How many Torontos did you skip because you had... We had uh, the... the uh, uh, COVID and and I think a year after that you skipped too, right? I'm try- I'm, I'm like my mo- my memory's a little bit fuzzy. When the pandemic hit in 2020, uh, I, I think that there was still some kind of like there was a virtual component that year that they still they still did something in yeah. 2020 that I did yeah. stuff from home for. Um, I didn't go back to Toronto until last year, and I was there for about four days. And this year I got I was sort of back on the train with uh, uh like a full six days there, and I've been doing it since 2004. All right, so uh, that's a long time, man. That is a yeah. long time. Uh, so uh, Toronto, and and of course we get, uh, you know, uh, obviously it's Film Fest year, Film Fest time because we just had Venice, um, mm-hmm. and well, Cannes was in May, but we've got other, you know, Venice and Toronto, and now of course, you know, we all have to we have to measure how much we like movies by how long we fucking stand and clap. That's uh, right. It's just so goddamn ridiculous. Um, but uh, Toronto, you were there for six days. How many movies did you see in that in that time period? I saw twenty four movies oh my in that God. time, and uh, and that includes and that doesn't include the first one that I was going to see got canceled because the uh, there was technical issues. So literally after like three hours of flight delays, I got into town and my first movie they canceled. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so you so could have seen at least two. One. You could have seen at least two movies in the time. Between That's right. delays and technical issues, you could have seen at least two more movies, which would have made it 26 movies because you're insane. Yes, exactly. Um, all right. Uh, well, t- give us a little rundown on some of the stuff you saw. Um, you know, uh, and, and uh, was it fun to be back? I know that was star-studded this year. So, um, it, I mean, well, it wasn't really a star-studded because of all the strike stuff. That's oh, going true. On. Well, the talking yeah, heads. So, I mean, the, ta- the talking heads were reunited. That was enough for me. That, uh, yeah, well, that so, pretty much yeah, just just yeah. cut blankets everything, right? Yeah, um, yeah pretty so, much, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you had like you know you had a few people there because like some of the movies that haven't been picked up, I guess there are waivers and stuff that some stars could attend. Yeah, um, I I don't think I was at any public screening with any of the main like major right. stars were there. Right. There were some. There were a lot of directors. They were all in Venice. They all went to. They all went to Venice. They all went to yeah. Venice. Yeah. 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 
So uh, okay, well, what, what 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 give me give me a rundown on some of the stuff you saw. Now, I mean, obviously, I I you know I know that you like the Alexander Payne movie, but you know how I feel about Alexander Payne. Yeah, here's how much I love Alexander Payne. I really love downsizing. That's how much that's, I like. That's a Alexander lot of Payne. love. No, yeah, that's a lot of love. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Um, because that's the only Alexander Payne movie I don't like. Which and, is I think uh, which is which I think is true of everybody but me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Steve, what did you, that, what, I, Steve, what did you think of downsizing? I'm, I'm glad well, that's the film I think that sort of introduced me to Hong Chow. Is that right? Yeah, that, yeah, that's yeah. correct. So that's yeah. so, so for that reason, I applaud it, and no other reason. Okay, wow, man, <laughs> I am so yeah, I am so alone on that one. But anyway, Alexander Payne, one of my favorite uh, filmmakers, and it's he's reunited with Giamatti, uh, yeah. for the first time since Sideways, and um, and you saw it, and uh, it's called what's what's I it called? I did. The leftovers. The holdovers. The holdovers. Not the leftovers. It's a goddamn <laughs> HBO true. show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. right. Yes. No, no one gets sucked up into heaven or hell right. in, the, in this right. one. Uh, right. No, this one, this one, this, the audience is in heaven, Nick, because uh, uh, it is Alexander Payne sort of really back on where, you know, where he was pre-downsizing, which is everything was was a gem. And, th- and this one really is, too. And G- it's the movie set in 1970. Giamatti plays this really kind of stern uh, professor at this uh, uh, all-boys bo- boarding school. And... Uh, some of the kids, uh, you know, the rich kids and whatnot who are not able to go home for the holidays have to stay behind. So they always have to have like one teacher stay behind and basically babysit them for those couple of weeks. Uh, Ball Giamatti gets tasked with that. And there's this uh, boy who uh, has got, got some family issues and he's very outspoken. He's very smart. And it's sort of the the two of them begin to, to bond over time. And there's a, a third character played by uh, Divine Joy uh, Randolph from Dolomite is my name, uh, mm-hmm. who plays a very vital role. She's the cook at the school, uh, and and this is, I mean, it's just, it's you know, it's like everything you expect from pain. I mean, there's road trips and academia and friendships and really broadly, uh, wonderfully drawn characters. Uh, it's incredibly funny. Um, it's very moving. Uh, it, it's a, it's just, it's Alexander Payne right back at the form that we expect awesome. with the name Alexander Payne. So awesome. yeah, the That's holdovers great. was one of my favorites of the festival. Awesome. When does that actually? Yeah. When do we get to see it? When do... in November. November? I think it. Uh, I don't know if it opens limited and then goes wide, but it's sometime in November. Okay. Um, yeah. So I want right. to. I mean, the, the ones I want to talk about are like the my five favorites from okay. the festival. Okay. All right. Let's let's hear the other ones. One let's see, let's hear the other ones quickly. By the yeah, way, the uh, holdovers. The other... uh, by the way, the holdovers very likely opening at the music box. Just in... okay. I don't Wonderful. know if it's hundred percent confirmed, but I think it's pretty close. Okay, fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, the the one movie that sort of got like the big deal so far, uh, Netflix picked up um, uh, Woman of the Hour, which is Anna Kendrick's directorial yeah. debut. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and this is, th- I mean, this story is nuts. It's this, it's a true story based on a true story of a serial killer. Uh, and the movie played by Daniel Zovato, who ended up on the dating game on television. Yeah, yeah And yeah. Anna Kendrick plays uh, the like the aspiring actress who ends up on that show and no, ends I, up I, going on a date with this guy. Yeah, no, I know the story. I've seen the episode. I know the. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm very familiar. Hey, I'm a game show idiot. I am a very. Of familiar course. With, I'm a very familiar with this story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, and Anna Kendrick. You know, I mean, the, following up on Alice Darling from last year, which is all about the sort of the you know the psychological stuff that men can you know inflict upon women, and here it turns into a physical manifestation. Uh, you know, it sounds like it could be a very kind of cheeky kind of, you know, Scott Alexander and Larry, you know, uh, Karaznewski kind of type of true yeah. story. Yeah. And there is some dark humor in it. But what's really surprising is how Kendrick really uh, elevates the tension 
in this film. I mean, this is a really tense movie. Uh, and Daniel Zavato, what a fantastic performance as the serial killer. Really chilling, uh, really terrific. Um, I mean, Kendrick's kind of doing a little bit of a an anachronistic kind of portrayal and sort of the way that women are being treated now. I mean, it's, it's always, it's never not true. Right. But uh, there's a little bit of, maybe dramatic license. I, I, don't, I don't think the dialogue that she says on the show is what happened on the show. I could be wrong. You Maybe you know the show yeah. by heart, Nick. I don't know uh, it by heart. But... I've seen the episode, but I, but I don't know it by heart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, some of the questions she asked the guys, just like, that's that's really up there for for, for that kind yeah. of game show. Yeah. Um, but but it's, it's actually, it's a really solid piece of work. And Netflix picked it up. Uh, doesn't have a release date yet, but we yeah. will be seeing that in the future. It's really solid film okay so one more time title woman of the hour woman of called. the hour okay all right next yeah uh, another one another of everyone's favorites richard linkletter has a yeah. new movie yeah. uh called hitman uh and this is bas- basically him back in kind of like bernie territory it's sort of a comic true crime tale a ba- again based on a true story of this guy in louisiana who's a teacher played by Glenn Powell, who worked with the police and basically pretending to be the, the hitman that people would try to hire to bump off somebody in their life and then basically entrapping them and arresting them. Uh, and he sort of really gets to love his job and he begins doing it on a regular basis with the police until he meets a woman who tries to hire him, played by Adrian Arjona. And he basically, you know, kind of falls for her immediately and kind of steers her away from actually making the hit. And it becomes this sort of this fun uh, kind of you know semi-film noir type of story uh, that's really a lot of fun. And it's the movie, you know, people have been talking about Glenn Powell, who was in Linkletter's Everybody Wants Some and was oh, terrific yeah. in that. Absolutely. Um, and this, this guy's been really doing some great work for years. And this is the moment people have been waiting for that you'll say like, oh, we have a movie star. Mm-hmm. On our hands, mm-hmm. uh, and it's Linkletter. Uh, you know, really pulled this thing off. It's one of the most entertaining films I saw at the festival. Okay, that's Hitman, Linkletter's newest one. Okay, next, yeah. uh, another one that's coming out in also coming out in November is Dream Scenario, uh, and this is the new film with Nicolas Cage, yeah. uh, pr- produced by Ari Aster, uh, and it is the story of this uh, again. Another here's another mild mannered professor uh, who discovers that people all across the country are all of a sudden having dreams about him not weird dreams he's just he just kind of hangs out in the background of their dreams not doing nothing not saving them not attacking them not doing anything uh and he becomes this it becomes this weird story and the celebrity and he sort of takes himself up on it and the story then sort of manifests into what it's like to become this sort of like you know a pluck from obscurity into major celebrity and then how the world then tries to tear you down as a result of that, uh, I wish they hadn't actually used the words cancel culture in the movie, but that's clearly what this movie is really kind of focusing in on. And, you know, Cage, you know, he'll do like a dozen movies that just don't work, and then he'll come out with a pig or an right. adaptation or right. something. And this is one of those movies. It, right. It's really funny, really strong, uh, really hilarious, and really has something to say. I, I loved it. Yeah, very cool. And it is you have to you have to sit through a bunch of Renfields to get a pig. You know what I mean? Exactly. That's, 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 how, <laughs> that's, that's how it works. Um, that's right. Uh, okay, so dream scenario. I read all about that one. I'm really looking forward to that one too. And yeah. then the, la- the last one you wanted to mention. The last one is called His Three Daughters. Uh, okay. and this is from uh, Azazel Jacobs, who did uh, Terry and most recently French Exit, uh, the uh, Lovers with Deborah Winger and um, um, 
what's his name? Tracy Letts. Yeah, Tracy Letts. Uh, yeah. And this is, it's, yeah, and this one, the cast immediately is fantastic. It's Carrie Coon, Natasha Lyonne, and Elizabeth Olsen as three sisters who are basically cooped up together, uh, waiting out uh, the, the death of their father. He's very sick. He's, you know, more or less on life support in the apartment, hospice, uh, and there are tensions between them about, you know, how he's been treated and the, their, their, just their relationships. You know, it, it, it's a kind of chamber piece you think, you, you know, we've seen many times and sibling rivalry and that kind of stuff. But you have these three fantastic actresses doing incredible work. And as good as Kuhn and Olsen is in this movie, Natasha Lyonne gives maybe the best screen performance of her career in this. She is absolutely fantastic in this. And anyone, you know, who has personally gone through a situation like this is going to recognize a stamp of their lives all over it. And it's really going to produce some tears. Even if you haven't been through it, I think it's going to produce some tears, but uh, definitely the most moving film I saw at the festival and one of the most uh, brilliantly acted. Okay. His three daughters. And is that, uh, does that have a release date? Not yet. Neither uh, uh, woman of the hour got picked up Uh, Hitman and his three daughters have not been picked up yet. I suspect they will eventually because the response to both of them were pretty much through the roof. And Hitman's link letter, for God's sake. So, you I, know. yeah, I don't know, understand how that hasn't been picked up yet yeah. because, uh, I mean, our colleague Brian Tallarico compared it to Out of Sight. That's the sort of the level that oh. he thinks that movie's working on as far as the sort of the crime and the comedy and the romance goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's solid. Okay. All right. So overall, were you happy with the, with the films that you saw overall? Was it, what, what was the percentage of good against bad? Um, it was more bad than yeah. good. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot of like really bad. There was a couple of them that I, I didn't care, really didn't care for. But most of the stuff were in the kind of like eh, yeah. category. Uh, so those are the five standouts. Uh, and there's another one we're gonna be talking about that I saw in Toronto that uh, I did. Oh like. right, okay. So, yes. All right. Well, Eric is back. Welcome back, my friend. And the fil- Thank festival. You. The festival is still happening for the next couple of days as we record this. Yeah. Uh, so the awards and stuff haven't been handed out yet. Right. Um, so we'll 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 read about that uh, as this as this drops. Uh, we'll read about that. Mm-hmm. But those are the five movies that Eric liked the most at the Toronto Film Festival. Thanks for thanks for talking about them, Eric. Appreciate of course. it. Of course. All right, let's get to some of the stuff that uh, everybody can see that just opened this weekend. The first one is and uh, Eric, you haven't seen it because you were out of town when they screened it, and you'll probably right. be seeing it as we as we speak. I believe you're probably yes. watching this right now. Um, and is the latest uh, Kenneth Branagh directed and starring as Hercule Poirot? Um, and it is the latest of uh, this is the third of his uh, Agatha Christie adaptations, and it's called The Haunting in Venice. Uh, Steve Procopi will uh, start us off with this one. Go ahead, Steve. Yeah. So this this one's based loosely on the Christie novel Halloween Party, which I'm not familiar with. And once again, adapted by Michael Green, uh, Haunting in Venice uh, sees director and star Kenneth Branagh taking on the role of the crack detective Hercule Poirot. Uh, to solve an unsolvable mystery as he did in Murder on the Orient Express and Death on the Nile, which I still can't believe just came out last year. I mean, I realize it was much delayed, but still. Uh, This time, though, there's possibly a supernatural twist. Uh, It's set in post-World War II Venice, and Poirot just happens to be living there in full retirement despite having a horde of people at his doorstep regularly hoping that that he'll cast an eye on whatever mystery they're bringing him, but he never does. Uh, he has a full-time Italian bodyguard to kind of keep away the riffraff. But then an old friend shows up uh, in the form of a mystery writer um, 
uh, named Aradne Oliver um, and played by Tina Fey, who seemingly is plucked right out of one of these fast talking films from the 30s or 40s, um, who has a case that she knows he will not be able to resist, one that involves the death of a young woman. Uh, a supposedly haunted or cursed decaying palazzo and a famed medium named Mrs. Reynolds played by Michelle Yeoh, who plans to contact the dead woman during a seance at the behest of the woman's bereaved mother, uh, a former opera singer named Rowena played by Kelly Riley. Um, knowing Poirot hates con artists pretending to dabble in the dark arts in order to extract money from grieving families uh, Oliver convinces him to um, come to the seance and engage in a bit of debunking. Uh, the The building used to be a, is a former hospital where many children died. I think it was in a fire. I don't remember. But it is said that the spirits of these children kind of frequently roam the halls. But it's the ghost of Rowena's daughter that everyone is interested in. And Mrs. Reynolds makes a convincing case that she sees and knows things that others don't and probably shouldn't. But by the time the seance is done, one guest is dead. Um, there's a, like a torrential rainstorm outside that traps everybody in the home, uh, making it a perfect scenario to to solve this sort of closed door murder among the other possible suspects are the dead daughter's ex-fiance played by Kyle Allen, her doctor played by Jamie Dornan, the doctor's kind of wise beyond his years, young son played by Jude Hill, Jude Hill and Jamie Dornan played son and father in Brana's recent Belfast. Uh, Rowena has a religious zealot housekeeper played by Camille Cotton, who I, I really have liked and stuff like, um, Stillwater, and even in, she's even really good in House of Gucci. Um, and then, as is the tradition, nearly every character kind of has their chance to seem like the likely suspect, with at least with the least likely candidate turning out probably to be the killer. Uh, but a haunting in Venice sort of tracks on a couple more, or tacks on a couple more murders for good measure, including turning the dead daughter's alleged suicide into a possible homicide for good measure. Um, what little we see of the outside world of Venice is is positively gorgeous. Uh, the, the cinematography here is great. Uh, and even what we kind of shoot of the palazzo is very ominous and, and very typically creepy. You can almost smell the place. Uh, when Poirot starts to have spectral visions of his own, the film turns from a simple murder mystery into something more akin to a ghost story only without a single real scare to make that element in any way interesting. I really do admire most of the actors in this film and and what atmosphere is generated here is largely due to their work uh, combined with a, a terrific score. But, um, but the core mystery never really pulled me in and the whole movie kind of feels like it's spinning its wheels, uh, but taking us nowhere or, or maybe the better metaphor is it's we're in a gondola and it's taking us nowhere. I don't know. Anyway, um, the whole movie kind of seems like an excuse to pull Poirot out of retirement by reminding him what he's been missing. And even the world's greatest detective can have his senses tested from time to time. Um, better to stay working and sharp uh, than wither away in exile. But I actually, I think Brana seems like he's like the perfect guy to play this role. It's, it gives him a chance to be a little hammy, uh, 
he plays this like larger than life character whose mental inner workings are somehow like on full display. He also gets to direct himself in exaggerated heightened situations that don't really require him to adhere to the laws of reality if he doesn't want to. Uh, but Haunting in Venice never quite got its hooks into me, even in a minimalist way, um, the way that the previous two adaptations did. And I didn't really love either of those movies either. Uh, the screenplay feels really threadbare and the addition of possibly supernatural elements made this experience, I think, less interesting, not more. Um, a part of me, you know, I, I don't know. I think you know, a part of me kind of thinks, well, maybe it'd be nice if he kept making these. But another part is thinking, wow, you know, trilogies are really great. So anyway, uh, <laughs> the, the film opens in theater, is it playing in theater. So there you go. <laughs> haunting in Venice. Yeah, I couldn't give two shits about anything that happened in this movie. Uh, I, and I, that's how I felt about the other two as well. Uh, uh, you know, um, I'm not a, I, I, let me just preface this by saying, I think you guys already know this. I am not a Kenneth Branagh fan at all. I think he's a monstrous hack. And I've always thought that. Um, uh, I liked Henry V right out of the gate. I like that. I know everybody loves Dead Again. Not crazy about that. That's right. Um, and, you know, like the Thor movie, the, the Jack Ryan movie, the Cinderella movie, this guy's made a lot of shitty movies. I can't stand Belfast, and I, and I will always hate him for the fact that the, one of the only times that Paul Thomas Anderson was probably ever going to win an Academy Award, that asshole won for writing Belfast. <laughs> um, so I'll never forgive him for that. And I don't like any of these Agatha Christie things that he does. This movie is so forced on Every single level, every goddamn cinematic trick that this act director tries. Uh, is the camera ever, at any point, Steve, is the camera ever level? I don't <laughs> think so. Because there are nothing but tricky angles and shock cuts and all kinds of fake scares. And, uh, and it is it, every ham-fisted, really cheap, stupid camera tilt cut gimmick that you can use in order to generate any kind of weird suspense, uh, fish-eyed lenses are used. It's just every hackneyed, possible, cliched, bad filmmaker trick that you can use to generate horror or ghosts or suspense is used to ill effect. Um, I didn't care about anything that happened. I found all the characters uninteresting. I think Tina Fey is embarrassing in this movie. It's the kind of thing that she would make fun of, like relentlessly make fun of, and justifiably so. Um, you know, I, uh, there were, I think there was one line of dialogue in it, if I'm trying to remember, that I actually laughed at. Um, the byplay between him and Tina Fey is supposed to be this witty, you know, like as you mentioned, Steve, this wannabe, you know, like 30s, 40s, fast-talking repertoire, but, but it doesn't work. Um, it's weird because nobody else is talking like right. her. She's like nobody. just made this decision yeah. to talk that way, yeah. and it's so out of place. Completely, <laughs> completely out of place. And 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 I didn't care. Like, and all of the supernatural, ghost, scary stuff is so ham-fistedly done uh, by a guy who, like, you know, uh, clearly has no sense of how to make these kind of movies at all. Um, and, and I'm, I mean by ghost movies or horror movies or scary movies, has no idea how to do that. Fails on that level. I didn't care about the mystery, and I just find him incredibly annoying. I just, I, I do not like Kenneth Branagh. That's basically what it comes down to. Is that the biggest hurdle for me to get over is the fact that I think he's a fucking hack and not that great a good, not that great a director. So yeah, uh, and I think this is the worst of the three. And I didn't like the other two at all. Um, at least this one, he didn't screw up a movie that was already made well. 
You know what I mean? <laughs> like, because mm. Death on the Nile, the original Death on the Nile is a fun movie and it's really well done. And Peter Ustinov played the part. And Murder on the Orient Express is obviously a great film. Uh, and I mean, that's Albert Finney. So you can't fill the shoes of Ustinov and Finney, and you definitely can't, you're not a better filmmaker than Lamette um, or shit, now I'm blanking on Hillerman. Uh, Finnerman? I think I that's Hillerman, right? Hillerman yeah. directed uh, or, or uh, Death Gillerman? On the Nile. Yeah, what? Gillerman, uh, Gillerman. Gillerman. yes, Gillerman, yes. Gillerman. Directed Death on the Nile, the original Death on the Nile. Those are both great movies. And I had no idea like, until the end credits, like you, Steve, when the end credits came up and it said based on Halloween Party. I've never heard of that book. Mm-hmm. I, I've never even heard of it. So he did find an obscure book, but uh, I think he screwed it up like he always does. So <laughs> I am not a fan, uh, but this was not a big surprise. I, 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 went, I guess I went in with an attitude because it's Kenneth Branagh and – Hack Supreme. <laughs> so, anyway. All right. Uh, that's out in theaters today. And, Eric, uh, you're watching it right now as we speak, uh, technically. That's right. Yes. Okay. All right. Uh, let's get to something that uh, all three of us have seen. And, Eric, this is something that you did see while you were in Toronto. It opens mm-hmm. today. And uh, we saw it earlier this week. Steve and I were, uh, saw it earlier this week. I saw it. Well, no. We were at different screenings. I saw it earlier mm-hmm. than Steve did. Uh, but it's out today. And it's called Dumb Money, uh, based, again, on a true story. And uh, Eric, uh, tell us about Dumb Money. Yeah, and this is, uh, like you said, based on uh, the true story of just happened a couple years ago of this, uh, you know, incredible tale of, uh, you know, people might remember the GameStop stock. That might be one way they remember it or might remember the the word, uh, the term Wall Street bets. Uh, So if if that's familiar with you, you will have an idea of what this movie is about. But uh, in the film, uh, Paul Dano plays Keith Gill, uh, who is just sort of an amateur uh, stock trader. He has like a YouTube channel where he goes on and he just, you know, he has feelings and he looks at the different stocks and he believes that the, the stock of GameStop, the store, is being undervalued. Uh, and it just happens to be one of these stocks that a bunch of hedge fund managers have been shorting relentlessly, believing that the uh, company is in the midst of failing. People aren't really going to the store to buy video games anymore. So they just they throw all their money against this and bet against the stock. Uh, and then when it ultimately fails, they make a ton of money and everyone else loses their shirt. Uh, so he more or less just keeps out there. He's put a bunch of his life savings. Uh, he's married to uh, Shailene Woodley. Uh, they put their life savings uh, into this stock. He really believes in it. Uh, and all the people around the country start to get interested in it. Uh, and we begin to follow a number of their stories as well. Uh, America Ferreira plays a nurse and a mom uh, who is the the story is set during the pandemic so we see a lot of sort of essential workers uh, on the front lines uh, being a part of this uh, Anthony Ramos plays actually a uh, employee of GameStop uh, who takes an interest in this there are some college students uh, and other people who get involved and then we also see the hedge fund managers uh, played by uh, Seth Rogen Vincent D'Onofrio and Nick Offerman and how they begin monitoring this phenomenon and as more people buy into the stock, it just keeps driving the price up. And as that happens, everyone who is betting against the stock are losing their shirts, more or less. Uh, so it becomes this really this David versus Goliath story uh, that was documented in a book by Ben Mesrick, uh, who also wrote the books for The Social Network uh, and the story of the uh, the MIT students who basically gamed the blackjack system in Vegas. Uh, so, I mean, he's really got you know, these, these David versus Goliath stories in his wheelhouse. 
Uh, and this is a really fun, very entertaining film. Uh, even if you if you don't know the story, this movie is going to lays it out for you uh, in very simplistic terms that you can understand. Uh, it's you know it's a, a very funny movie because just seeing th these rich people basically lose their minds uh, as a result of this grassroots movement on the internet uh, build up and basically start to take them down. The title "Dumb Money" comes from what these Wall Street guys refer to all of these amateur people who are putting their, you know, a little bit of their money and their or their life savings even into these stocks that they think are going to going to hit, but and they refer to it as dumb money. So even the tagline of the movie says Wall Street thinks you're dumb, uh, and that's obviously one of the the themes of this story. And how can you not root root for all of these people involved? And I think that actually, you know, watching the the movie uh, at the festival the other day, it. it with, with everything that's going on in the world, this movie actually becomes like this kind of this parallel to what's going on with the strikes right now. And there's the yeah. idea of that if everyone can just get together and hold on, I mean, hold is a very big yeah. uh, theme in this movie. Just hold on and stick together. If you can wait this out, you will get what you want. But if you start breaking, you know, from the pack scabs out there, uh, all of a sudden, the the foundation begins to crack, and everyone's going to lose, and the big boys are going to win. Uh, so that's a, a, a sort of a great parallel of this movie coming out now. Um, it's very funny. Uh, Pete Davidson uh, just does some of his some of his funniest work as uh, Paul Dano's brother in the movie, uh, and. Uh, we also get, uh, one of my favorite performances in the movie. It's a small one, but it's by Sebastian Stan as this yeah. guy named Vlad Tanov, <laughs> yeah. who was he he founded this this stock site or the stock app called Robinhood that was more or less designed to help the dumb money people in far as getting their their stocks out there and um, uh, reducing fees and cost to them. Uh, and then the way that he basically turns on them. Uh, I mean, I remember those interviews with this son of a bitch yeah. on on uh, cable uh, <laughs> uh, interviews and whatnot. And Stan nails the deer in the headlights yeah. stuff about how this guy basically like caught with his pants down, colluding with the very people he was supposed to be helping people fight against. Uh, no, this is a this is a very entertaining movie. Uh, there are doc documentaries that have been made about this subject. I think this movie by the end is a little more hopeful. Then those documentaries, uh, because those documentaries really showed that a lot of the people on the good side did end up losing because they held too long. Uh, this movie is a little more optimistic and sort of like, you know, was hoping to, you know, charge people into basically doing the same thing. Uh, but it's, it's, it's an entertaining movie, and, uh, and and I enjoyed it. Okay. Steve, what do you think? Yeah, it took me a few minutes to figure out what – and we should mention this is from director Craig Gillespie, who did I, Tanya and Lars and the Real Girl – this guy's a fantastic filmmaker, but it took me a while to realize what's made this film stand apart from some of these other recent films about fairly recent historical like inventions or events that it's so recent. This just happened like a couple years ago. It's like, it, it, you know, it feels like two days ago, but that there's no nostalgia mining. There's no like, I mean, there's there's certainly, a, you know, you're not looking at the clothes and going, oh, look at those crazy clothes or waiting for like these needle drops on the soundtrack. It's just like, it's so recent that it feels like you're in it now. And and I think that's a huge, makes a really big difference. And um, that we're, yeah, we're not like losing sight of this just for the nostalgia's sake, even in movies we like, like Air. Um, and, and Eric, just before I forget, Eric's right about Sebastian Stan. I, few actors inhabit playing an idiot 
with more authenticity and glee than he does. Well, and, and this guy, is this, this is the third time he's he's played an idiot for Gillespie. Yeah, yeah, that's he, what I'm saying. He played like, he played Gulli, he 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 played Galuli in. Gulli, uh, yep. I mean, the biggest idiot ever in Itania, yeah. uh, <laughs> and he played uh, he played Tommy Lee, who's an idiot. So but they, you know. they 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 put this like Vlad is put forward as the company yeah. spokesperson and like right. no one could be less suited for it. Right. And he often makes things worse for all of his like rich pals anyway. Um, but I, I, I like it, the film, I think what it most reminded me of was Adam McKay's The Big Short, because it's both films are about sort of these singular events or products or whatever that like that are more about like they're less about that than about like a seismic shift in the country's largely unchecked financial financial bedrock. Like it's they they find ways to make really complicated things understandable, more or less. Um, and, and neither of them are afraid to like name names and point fingers. And and like this guy, Gil, he did nothing wrong, but he's treated like a criminal at certain points and major financial institutions like tried to take him down by rigging the system and just flat out cheating. I, I Eric mentioned that the author, uh, the name of this book was The Anti-Social Network, which I thought was very funny. And I did notice two of the executive producers in this yep. are yep. Cameron and Tyler Winkle, Winklevoss, which I, I don't, I mean, <laughs> perhaps they identified with miscarriages of justice at the hands of rich guys, but I don't know. Like, it just cracked me up when I saw their names. Um, I The thing that kind of carried me through this that I think I liked the most was this very fragile family dynamic of the Gills, because uh, we, we even mentioned um, uh, the parents played by... Um, Clancy uh, Brown. The, 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 Clancy the, Brown. Clancy Brown and Kate Burton. Kate, yeah, Kate who, Burton, yeah. Yep. Um, who are I mean, those scenes are great, and they're all dealing with this very recent loss. Um, the 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 two brothers, like sister, is has died, and I, I did did they ever say how she died? Because I kept thinking it, COVID. Co- it was COVID. It was, yeah. oh, it was COVID. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah. and that's yeah. yeah, and so that's but that whole like every time the family's kind of together in various combinations, I was like really pulled into this thing even more, and you really feel the stakes of this. Uh, and also, speaking of COVID, like, with this film, yeah. if there is one thing about it that is quote-unquote nostalgia, the way this film embraces COVID and, like, the realities of COVID, and everyone's like, mask, mask, put your mask on, like, and and then there are times when, like, college students are just fucking having parties, like they certainly right. did in yep. that time, and, like, you, yep. it really, like, well, so many movies these days are like, let's just pretend COVID didn't happen, but this movie's like, no, we were in, that's part of the reason this happened, is because yeah. people were yep. stuck at home, like, looking for something to do, yeah. and something in a way that they were losing money if they weren't, like, essential, which, but, like, yeah, I mean, it, it it's, it's a very, very smart movie about, um, some people that are supposedly smart, some people that aren't even pretending to be smart. Um, but I, yeah, I dug, I dug this movie a lot. I have a feeling I'm going to dig it more the more that I kind of sit with it. So, yeah, yeah. I, I loved it. I think it's one of the best movies of the year. I think it's great. And, and I think it's kind of cemented uh, Gillespie as this uh, Craig, Craig Gillespie is an, is, I think he's a terrific filmmaker and he's got this. Na- I, I think this is a total companion piece to I, Tanya. Uh, in that it embraces like uh, the the sort of the the people that are usually marginal. Um, I mean, it has a you know it, it has all the rich people in it and so on and so forth. But it tells all these different stories of of these people, and he kind of is like the he's become like the spokesman for the true story of kind of like the white trash, quote unquote. 
Um, and, yeah. he, and, he, and he does that lovingly in I, Tanya. I mean, there are a lot of laughs at the expense of the characters in that movie, but those characters are so three-dimensional. Like, you really care. Uh, you know, while you're watching I, Tanya, you care about, you know, uh, about, uh, about Tanya uh, Harding and her family and, you know, the situation that she's in, even though sometimes it's played for laughs <clears throat> um, and so on and so forth. And I think that's the truth here. Like, he's like the downtrodden, the white trash, the goofy. They have a voice in, in Craig. <laughs> I think. Mm-hmm. Um, then even even in the you know in like the first big. I mean, Mr. Woodcock was the first movie he directed. And the less we talk about that, the better. But, <laughs> um, but I mean, Lars and the Real Girl was also based on a true story about a weird dude, um, and about the family dynamic of that. And he touches on that. Even you know the 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 uh, Tommy Lee and the Pam movie were that were were about that. He did a bunch of episodes of uh, United States of Terra, um, yeah. and there is he's got this finger on the pulse of like sort of the downtrodden, the white trash, the weird, the people on the edge who might not be smart, but, like, he roots for them. And that's definitely the case in this movie. And, uh, and, and, and I, you know, and, and the portrayals of the rich people are hilarious, the way it's set up. And, yeah, I mean, it's, it's all about, I mean, this is, this is, like, this probably is the ultimate movie so far that has captured what it was like to live in that COVID time period during the lockdown and all that stuff. I mean, it brought back memories for me that I was like, oh my God, you know, like completely (laughs) because every scene that takes place in COVID and you are reminded of that. Um, And I thought all the performances were great. Everybody in this movie is terrific. Paul Dano is fantastic in the lead. Shailene Woodley is awesome as his wife. The family stuff is great. There's a scene where uh, Pete Davidson, who plays his brother, and he are in the backseat of their parents' car where they're adults, but they're being – there's one part where, like, Clancy Brown has to turn around and slap them. And Pete Davidson is the, is the, is the worst DoorDash deliverer in the history of DoorDash <laughs> yep. delivering. Yep. And, and, like, all – and he – I got to tell you, I think Pete Davidson kind of steals all the comedy. And I mean, he owns this movie. He's hilarious in it. Uh, but all the stuff for me worked. Like, I was rooting for these guys. I thought the story was told in a way. And it also made me even – made me dislike Adam McKay more. Like, after I saw this movie, I'm like, <laughs> oh, you cannot be a pretentious, pompous, you know, uh, heavy-handed prick and make a movie about this kind of thing in a very substantial way. Um, but I thought the human aspect of this movie is what really pushed it through. Like, I was rooting for all of these people. Like, America Ferreira's character, God, what a year she's having, man. Uh, you mm-hmm. know? Um, yeah. Uh, just a great performance by her and like her situation and the college kids and, and, and the guy who worked at GameStop and all of these people who are invested in this during this tragic time in the country where you were you felt stifled and alone. All of that is captured beautifully. And I think that, you know, because it took place during covid and yeah, it embraces that because that's really what the movie's about. Like at its core, it's like, what were we doing during that time period? Uh-huh. This very recent time period that we're all kind of forgetting about now. And this is like, yeah, this is what where we were. This is what, the, what was happening in the country in a huge way. And we all kind of forgot about that and maybe forgot about the stories that, that happened and, and how human beings had to exist during that time period and how some people found this as a way to get through it. Um, I love this movie, man. I just, I loved it. I laughed during the whole thing. I thought it was very entertaining, but also I was really rooting for it. I found the human condition to be really well and a great period piece. If you want to call it a period piece from three years ago. Um, now I think this is a terrific movie, uh, enormously entertaining. And I think one of the best of the year and, uh, Gillespie, I think is, is, uh, I, I think he's got a very distinct style and a very distinct, like, um, uh, target that he has. 
you know, when he really embraces it. And I think that this is a really, this would be a great double feature with Itania. I just love this guy. I think he's a great director. And, um, and I even loved uh, his remake of Fright Night. So I'm a, I'm a fan of this guy big time. Um, so anyway, I loved it. I'm glad that you guys liked yeah. it. And, and the response in Toronto was strong, Eric. Did people like it? Oh, yeah. No, uh, the response was very solid. Cool. Cool. Yeah. All right. Cool. All right. Well, there you go. Uh, so that's, uh, to me, I think it's one of the best movies of the year, and it's out now. Dumb Money. Okay. Uh, Steve, tell us about uh, the last movie we're going to review here, uh, Cassandro, which is in theaters this week and then will be on uh, Apple. Is that right? No. Prime. Sorry. Amazon. Amazon, yeah. Amazon yeah. Prime. Yeah. Amazon Prime on the 22nd. So it opens in theaters for a week today, and then next week you can watch it at home on Amazon, and it's called Cassandro, uh, based on a true story. So another one yeah, based this- on a true story. My God. <laughs> okay, here we go. Yeah, this this is a this is a film Eric and I saw at Sundance. Uh, this is from director uh, Roger Ross Williams, who did a, a really great uh, documentary that we played at Critics Fest a few years ago called Life Animated. Uh, Cassandro, um, I, I I firmly believe that its star Gael Garcia Bernal would have, if this had come out at the end of last year, <laughs> he would have gotten an Oscar nomination, like yeah. without a doubt. Um, Bernal plays Saul, a a gay luchador in the Lucha Libre wrestling scene of Juarez, Mexico, where he fights as El Topo, a sort of generic low grade player who whose role it is is to lose to the more masculine wrestlers. uh, But he's tired of feeling like a loser in and out of the ring. So Saul decides to uh, change his character to Cassandro, a, a character commonly known in the sport as an exotico, a flamboyantly gay character that the audience loves to hate. And they're even allowed to like call this guy every homophobic slur in the book. Um, the, the exoticos don't wear masks. Uh, and, and some of them are the, mo- more, the most athletic players in the ring, but they also always lose. And Cassandra was so skilled at his work that he kind of captures the hearts and minds of the crowd and eventually decides he wants to be the first Exotico, Exotico to actually win a match. Uh, so with the help of a fantastic trainer played by Roberta uh, Calindres uh, and a new somewhat shady promoter uh, played by Joaquin Cosillo and his son, who's played by musician Bad Bunny. Yeah. Um, and the support of an elderly mother, Cassandra was given a shot at actually winning and it changes the landscape of the sport entirely. His popularity doesn't sit well with some including his closeted lover and fellow luchador uh, Geraldo, played by Raul Castillo, uh, who's from, like, I just recently saw in the inspection and Cha-Cha Real Smooth. Yep. But when Cassandro finally works his way up in the ranks for a shot at fighting and possibly beating the legendary son of Santo, um, even Saul's long absent and the shame father attempts to reconnect with him. Bernal propels Cassandro into something unexpectedly wonderful, appearing to do most of his own work in the ring, I think. And he did. No, he, he managed, trained. He, he trained. Yeah, he, he, yeah, he yeah. manages not only the fight choreography, but like a sparkling winning personality that his character was known to possess. And and sort of tapping into his documentary background, this is a first-time fiction directing from Williams. He really captures the birth of a superstar in the ring. It's I, I thought it's impossible not to fall for this character uh, or this movie. Uh, I, I think the wrestling scenes would play really well in a theater. I mean, you know, Nick, you saw it in the theater, but I, I did. Didn't, but I did. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's it just seems built for audiences. And and this might be the maybe not the best thing I've seen Bernal do, but it is right up there. Like and yeah. and I, you know, I, I know this film is going to get like forgotten and ignored 
by the end of the year, but but not by me. I've been talking and thinking about this movie since yeah. January. So, cool. all right, yeah. um, Eric, what do you think? Yeah, I liked it too. I mean, this is a movie that we actually pursued for our festival uh, this year. We didn't end, ended up getting it, but uh, I mean, Steve and I, you know, certainly talked it up, and it was always on our radar. And the, I mean, I haven't seen the movie since uh january from sundance but i mean the two things that i really remember taking away from it one i really love the relationship between him and his mother absolutely in this movie which which the the first half of this movie is so focused on their dynamic uh and there's not a lot of movies that you know folk really really focus on uh, a mother-son relationship like that and I, i thought it was really sweet really on point uh the two of them are really great together uh, and I, I really enjoyed that aspect. And, and then also this, this, the whole idea of sort of leaning into your fear and leaning into the, the dynamic and taking control of something where society or you know, the people around you are sort of, you know, criticizing you for or hating you for and sort of leaning into that and taking it back. Uh, and and making them like you as a result of that uh, is is, is, just, is is something that uh, I mean, I've certainly done in, in my life at times. You know that was all high school was for me. Uh, but the, the, I, movies don't do that enough, I think either. And obviously, this is you know very uh, serious uh, stuff in the movie, uh, surrounded by a lot of fun stuff. But I, I really remember really responding to that aspect of it and how he just sort of leaned into this. Uh, alternate, you know, character to sort of to deal with uh, the you know, the hatred that that you know exists then and yeah. clearly exists now. Uh, yeah. So Cassandra and like Steve said, Bernal is really just effortlessly charming in this movie. I mean, this guy. I mean, this guy's had it for years, and he hasn't always gotten the chance to really show himself uh, in leading roles. Um, he was in a movie called Emma just a couple years ago that I think is really great too. Much different type of movie, uh, but uh, but he's he's always interesting and he certainly is here. It's definitely one of the best things he's done as well. Yeah, I, I, I here's another one I loved. Uh, you know, I mean, I happen to be a big wrestling fan. People who listen to this podcast know, and in fact, uh, on, on the next episode on Tuesday, Keith Lipinski is going to be with me uh, talking pro wrestling. And we'll probably talk about this movie. Um, Now, it is based on a true story, and there is already a documentary, a really terrific documentary uh, that that you can see. It's called Cassandra the Exotico. Um, And it's a documentary from, I think, about five, six years ago about this real guy. Uh, who, by the way, uh, showed up on red carpets, uh, you know, uh, in, in certain places with uh, uh, Burnell uh, uh, for for certain things uh, mm. when they were walking around, like when the, when the movie, I guess, probably in January, uh, because they're not promoting it now, obviously. But uh, but and, and, and at the at, probably when you guys saw it uh, for Sundance, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so he appeared like uh, the actual uh, Cassandro himself, uh, the real Saul, was actually like with. Uh, Bernal at these at these uh, uh, at these screenings back in January uh, mm-hmm. and loving it like full dressed the whole thing makeup the hair the whole thing <laughs> and I I I love the the human story of this like you mentioned the the, the relationship between his mother and him is great um, and uh, it, it it does wrestling perfectly it captures the you know the the lower rung wrestling the promotions that are really shady where you get paid under the table where you got shitty rings and you're in auditoriums that hold like fifty people. All of that is nailed here. Bad Bunny is in this movie, by the way. And I think <laughs> wrestling fans are going to be like, oh, cool. But he doesn't wrestle. 
Because Bad Bunny wrestles. I mean, he's like he's been part of the WWE. He was at he was at WrestleMania. He's been at like five or six pay per views, and the guy can actually move in the ring. He really can, and he doesn't wrestle at all. Like when he showed up, I'm like, oh, he's gonna wrestle. No, he's not. He doesn't wrestle at all in the movie. <laughs> but I can't say enough about this lead performance. I think Bernal's. I think it's the best performance I've seen all year. I think it's the best acting I've seen all year. Beautiful physical performance. I was emotionally involved in it. I thought it was a beautiful performance. The movie made me cry. I thought it was funny. And I think it's a remarkable performance, both emotionally and theatrically and physically, on the part of, uh, of, of uh, Gail Garcia uh, Benwell. And I, and I just, <clears throat> I think it's the best performance I've seen all year. And I really love the movie. I thought it was great. And this is the second really terrific movie about this real-life uh, uh, luchador exotico. Um, and I think it's great. And as a wrestling fan, on, uh, from that point of view, it's fantastic in that regard. Um, it, it kind of reminded me of the Mickey Rourke movie, only, well, there's drugs in this one too. Uh, but <laughs> only it's, not, it's not quite as depressing. <laughs> uh, in fact, it's kind of uplifting and lovely, but it did have that real authenticity to it um, in, in that regard. Um, and I just thought it was, a, I, I just think it's great. And I think it's the best performance I've seen by, by an actor or actress this year. And I'm a real big fan of it. And, and I really hope that people, it doesn't get swept under the rug. I hope that Amazon does a campaign maybe to get him an Oscar nomination. Cause it's that good a performance. It really is that good a performance. I think it's the best lead performance I've seen all year. Hmm. Um, so I'm a big fan and you can see it in theaters. If you want to go out and check it out in theaters, it opens today in theaters. And then if you want to be lazy and not go out and pay money to see it, uh, it's on, it's on Amazon, uh, prime on starting on the 22nd, but go to the theaters to see it. It's called, uh, Cassandro and seeing it with a crowd was great. It was really, really, it was a lot of fun. It was a, a, like, you know, the theater was about a third full and everybody seemed to be having a great time watching it. So, so there you go. So two really good true stories, uh, that came out this week. And then the Kenneth Branagh movie. All right. Um, <laughs> all right. What do we got the next time uh, uh, that we will uh, that we will meet? We got the Exorcist. Oh, the creator. Yeah. This is, the crea- yeah, that's the 29th. Mm-hmm. Uh, the creator is the, the creator saw, is the next saw one. Saw X. Saw oh, X God. is that okay. day. Saw Saw um, X and the creator. Okay, cool. Flo- when we will. Florence. We'll Florence saw oh, the Florence new John Carney yeah. movie. Oh, Florence. Oh, yeah. I can't wait to see that. I know. You, I think you guys have already seen it, but uh, uh mm-hmm. but, yes. man. Yeah, I mean, that that's a, oh, I can't wait to see that. Okay, anyway, uh, I'm very excited about that one. All right, well, uh, Eric, uh, welcome back uh, from Toronto. Thank you. Uh, Steve, I will see you guys. I will see you. Well, Steve, I'll see you tonight at the screening. Yeah. Um, okay, and uh, Eric, uh, in, in, enjoy uh, Haunting in Venice. Oh, great. <laughs> I'm enjoying it as we speak. There you go. All right, all right, guys, I'll see you guys next time. Thanks. Okay. There you go. Okay. Eric and uh, and Steve, uh, the movies. And now it's time for some Esmeralda. Esmeralda. Yeah. Esmeralda Leon. Yeah. Esma. I'm talking about that Esma. Esmeralda Leon. Yeah. Esmeralda. Yeah, yeah. Esmeralda Leon. Yeah. Esmeralda Leon uh, is uh, who we talk to when you hear that fantastic uh, tune. And so uh, here is Esmeralda Leon. Hi, Esmeralda. Hello. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm all right. You know, uh, excited about... uh, (laughs) 
going to the drive-in this weekend, which is going to be uh, oh yeah. Crazy. Well, you better come back, uh, or you're going to have to make a whirlwind trip because we're going to be in Portugal on oh, Saturday. That's right. We're going to Port. <laughs> Hold on a second. I got to remember that, gentlemen. Michael Bolton. That's right. That's right. We're going to Portugal. I'm sure Michael will give you the keys to the private jet. So right. No worries. I'll just park it right next to the screen in uh, at the Midway Drive-in in Dixon. Oh yeah. And then it's uh, perfectly soon, fine. As soon as Frankenhooker is over, <laughs> is over, I'll jump right on the plane. So there you go. Uh, well, I think you have to do it the other way. Oh. Oh, because uh, yeah, because Portugal is how? What, what's what's the time difference in Portugal? Do we know? Um, oh, it is. Does, about... your cat, does, your, does your cat know? <laughs> He's like, I lived in Portugal for oh, a time. That, that what... <laughs> <laughs> oh man! It's about about five hours, so it's uh, seven. Okay, all right. So we'll figure. I'll figure out the time. Frame. Which seems perfect. Yeah, that would that should work out fine. Yeah, because you're be gonna to... jump on a private jet, you know. Hmm. Yeah, I'll be able to jump right in. There'll be no problem. He'll be... Gentlemen, Michael Bolton. He'll be he'll be fine. He'll be happy about it. I don't want. You'll to... I... you'll be able to land anywhere. It's Dixon. That's right. That's exactly right. There's lots right. of open space. There's a lot of open spaces <laughs> in the middle of Dixon. Can land right next to uh to the screen. That's oh yeah. Oh for sure. Yeah. So <laughs> I'll get there in time because I'm doing. I'm introducing the movie, so I have to. I kind of have to be right. There. I would. So. You know what you should do. You should uh, get mic'd up in the plane and then drive over. I see. And as and then jump out and then you jump on stage. Just jump right out and say right in front of the screen. As soon as I get there, well, yeah. I'm here, man. Michael Bolton Holy says hi. What kind of? Come on, that would yeah. be some. That'll be an show. entrance. That'll be an people will be like, yeah, oh, man. oh yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah. For sure. Absolutely. People would not stop talking about it. They would not. And they would not God say. God damn it, Nick. They would probably enjoy that. I don't know. Yeah. Because right. it All can right. go either way, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> it can go real great or real bad. We'll sc- <laughs> I- I'm telling you, time will be on my side. The jet will be there, and I will be able to do both. I will be in Portugal with you and oh, Bolton. Yeah. And then I will be at the drive-in, uh, at the Midway drive-in on Saturday. Uh, with Julie and uh, and and all of my uh, flashback brethren, yeah, um, it's a very quick uh, private. Uh, he has one of those like fast planes. He's got a Concorde. <laughs> he has a Concorde. Yes. Yeah, that's what it is. He's mm-hmm. got the Concorde. That's mm-hmm. right. And I, oh, mm-hmm. he's Michael Bolton. He's got he everything. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. Hi, Carrie. Hi. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. Oh, she can't go, Carrie. She she can't go. (laughs) She knows that. She's, but she is holding a sign that says, "My favorite airport movie is Airport 79: The Concord." Oh, Oh. thank you, Carrie. Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. Have you ever seen that one, Esmeralda? How many airport movies have you? Have you? How many airport movies Um, have you seen? I don't mean airplane. Air, I don't mean airport. 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 Um, probably Die Hard. The Die no. Hard where he's in the no. airport. Okay, well, isn't no, he I, in the I, airport? He is. Yes, that's Die Hard too. But I'm talking <laughs> about the a- actual airport with the title airport. Oh. Mm, none. Oh, okay. Okay, because <laughs> I you don't know, think they, they were the first. You know, they were kind of the the, the granddaddies of the disaster genre. So the first mm-hmm. one was air, called Airport. Mm-hmm. And it was like uh, uh, Dean Martin as a pilot, and that's that's a guy that you don't want flying your plane because you know he's 
He's been in the liquor cabinet. Um, so that was airport. And then there was airport. Uh, Jesus Christ. Now I'm going to blank. 77. 70, 75, I think was. Oh, yeah. airport. Different years. Different yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Is airport, there a difference? Uh, yeah, they're all sequels. They're all like. Uh, no, no, no. All... But so like is wait. So what's the, so the number is the year. Yeah, right? the year came out. Yeah. So so airport was the first one. And it was like this surprise uh, hit. Uh-huh. And then in between that, they did stuff like Towering Inferno and the and 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 the Poseidon Adventure and all these other stupid. Well, not all of them are stupid, but these big disaster movies. Mm-hmm. And then they were like, mm-hmm. "Well, shit, let's do a disa- Let's do at least two, three disaster movies a year." And they did. Irwin Allen was the guy who produced them all. Yeah. Irwin Allen was known as the king of the disaster genre. He did a lot of work you know, in TV. But yeah. I will say I do enjoy that they use the year. Yeah. Rather than like airport three, yeah, yeah. back was, in, back yeah. in, back snacks. in the cockpit, back in the cock, back <laughs> in. Sna- no, I like back in snacks better. I like back in snacks better. I'm yeah, trying to think good. like what's at the airport. Right. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. So, so um, it was airport, and then there was airport seventy five, and airport seventy five, if I'm not mistaken, uh, was Linda Blair was a sick girl. Oh, so you've seen airport? I mean, I'm sorry, airplane, right? Yes, airplane. Okay. So you know that the little girl who was sick and they, you know, the nun sang and shit. Oh uh, yes. Okay, well the little girl who was sick was in Airport seventy five, and that was Linda Blair. Oh okay. Um, and the singing nun, I believe, was also in seventy five. Was in Airport seventy five. Oh wow. And they have all like if you were to look them up, if you were to look them up, they they have all star casts because in the seventies, you know, there the, the what, what what here's what you know you know here's here's the best way that I can think, give you. An, do you yeah. think they used the same airplane, uh, <laughs> like thingy? You know, like the set. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And 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 I'm, I'm and and definitely footage and all that shit. Yes. Like, but but the thing was back back in those days, that's where all the when I was a kid growing up in the seventies, our Marvel were disaster movies. Right. That was our Marvel. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, there's gonna be another disaster movie, and that literally was like. Those were the big giant tentpole franchise movies of the seventies. Were these fucking disaster movies, and we went to them in droves, man. Like if you were to like Google like disaster movies of the seventies, some of them, like you can't believe like how stupid and ridiculous some of these things got. Like yeah, yet airport airport seventy five, which was um, which is funny Karen, because like yeah. we've had rashes of. Disaster movies, yeah, they pop up, but not yeah. as, but not like how you're talking about. Oh it no, was never like a oh my god, we must see these. No, seriously, Esmeralda, seriously, it was like Marvel. It was it it was that. It was like those yeah. were the those movies, those big disaster movies, those were the big blockbusters. They were the ones that filled up the theaters that people would go to, and no matter how fucking stupid they were, we went. And that's just yeah. like the Marvel movies, just like the Marvel. No matter how fucking <laughs> stupid. And these uh, and the Marvel movies are really fucking stupid. People see, but know. at least there's like canon and like a backstory. This is just like this is an airport. Something bad happened, and, or or someplace else. So like if you look at like just in general, well, I can go through the. So you got airport, airport seventy five, and that was Karen. Black, By the way, misleading. Trump, what what? Is it in the airport? No. What kind of mm-mm. now? I see, don't like airport. It. Now, here's how it started because airport was based on a book called by Alex. No, not Alex Haley. Alex Haley wrote Roots. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely was not. It was definitely not him. Um, no, I can't remember who wrote the book, but it was a bestseller. Mm-hmm. And airport, the first airport, isn't really a disaster movie. If you go back and watch it, it's a fucking soap opera. 
It's like a whole bunch of characters. All the guys are cheating on their wives, and and then something happens on the airplane. There's a terrorist on the airplane, and and some shit happens. But the the disaster itself is secondary in the original airport to all the soap opera shit that's happening. You know what I mean? Right. So So that's that's why why, is that why in airplane Mm -hmm. there is that like little love story thing? Yeah. They're all yeah, but the thing about okay. I will tell you this though, Esmeralda. Here's something that you that you want to check that you should check out. There is a movie, and you can look this up. Uh, Air Airplane, the Zucker Brothers movie, which by the way, a brand new exclamation point. Airplane, yes. <laughs> um, that by the way, there's a brand new book uh, that is written about the making of Airplane. It's it's just oh, coming fun. out, and David Zucker is coming to town for the Chicago Humanities Festival. He's coming to town to mm-hmm. be interviewed about it. David Zucker is one of the Zucker Brothers. Uh, Jim yeah. Abrams, and and so there's a new book about the making of the movie, about how it was made for no money, and then it was like the most successful comedy of all time for a long time, because <laughs> it's fucking funny. That's why. Um, yeah. But 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 air, uh, airplane is, in addition to having elements from the airport disaster movies of the 70s, mm-hmm. it is almost, and I'm not kidding. If you go back and watch it, and I'm sure there are there are YouTube videos out there, it's almost a shot for shot. Remake of a movie called Zero Hour mm-hmm. from the fifties, where the character's name is Ted Stryker and he's a pilot, <laughs> and they need and the whole like, can you fly this plane and land it? All that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like all that, like the doctor says to him, and all that's all that, all that stuff, and the plot, the food poisoning on the plane, that's all taken directly, almost shot for shot and line for line from Zero Hour. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, it's hilarious. So if you if you can you can Google this, you can find it. I'm sure there's a YouTube video where they do like a side by side comparison because there are mm. scenes that are almost word for word exactly the same as Zero Hour. So that was their biggest inspiration was Zero Hour, and then they took all mm. the all the disaster movie elements from the other airport movies of the '70s and threw them all in there. But yeah, Zero Hour was the big the whole plot, the characters, all that shit was taken directly from that movie directly. Mm, Yeah, you should check it out if you get a chance. Um, But no, there's Airport 75. That was that was with Karen Black, where she played the stewardess who was having an affair with, I think, Charlton Heston, because Heston's in a bunch of them. And then like (laughs) another plane crashes into it and and, uh, she's got to land the plane. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, Charlton Heston's that. And of course, George Kennedy's in all of them. And then Airport 77 is with goddamn Jack Lemmon and Christopher fucking Lee is in it. And that's the one where they fucking crash underwater. <laughs> where they're underwater. Wait a minute. Okay. Wait, but they're under. But they're still on going? the plane. Yeah. No. The, no. 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 The plane crashes and they're underwater. But now they have to. Not only did they have a disaster in the air, but now they're underwater. They're in the ocean. So they have to figure out how to get like 160 people off of a plane while it's starting to slowly fill up with ocean water. You know what I mean? So that's why, like, Christopher Lee plays a fucking scuba diver in it. <laughs> it's, it's, How slowly is this water filling up? It's slowly enough to fill a two-hour movie, if I remember correctly. That's what I mean. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> is it a drip? Is yeah. that what? <laughs> no, it's slowly. Like, it's coming in, and they're trying to figure out, like, how are we going to have oxygen? And there's like, to, and I think there's probably a pregnant woman on board. It's, I don't know. There's oh, all of course. Ki- there's all someone kinds of crazy. Someone hurts themselves. Yeah. Yep, someone exactly. has to be carried. And then there's like, we've got to bring in, you know, we've got to bring in scuba divers. And they're, and they're like, uh, they're, 
their communication equipment is down because they're seventy five thousand feet yeah, underwater. I was gonna say nobody yeah. know, does. Pe- people know. They're I don't. There? I, I I gotta be honest with you. I haven't seen that fucking movie in like thirty five years, so I, I don't know. I, I would don't think that's exactly. part of it. Like. They maybe in yeah. the end, and but then it's you know they got to figure it out. Cause but Jack Lemon, Jack Lemon, Jack Lemon was the pilot. I remember Jack Lemon oh. was the pilot, and George Kennedy was in that one too. Um, and then the fourth one was Airport, the one I just mentioned, Airport seventy nine. And the big deal was that it was on the Concord, so it was Airport seventy nine. Mm. The con- it was called Airport seventy nine, the Concord. I do. Um, I never got a chance, and I still haven't, sadly enough. Uh, taken part in any of the fancy airplane seats. First class, but yeah. To, yeah, but to see, like, what used to be, where it was just, like, there was a whole bar and a, and a whole area where you could just walk around. I mean, I wish those days well, were back. That that's Instead the thing. of being shoved into a plane like a tin, <laughs> like yeah. a tin fish. <laughs> they had they had those, because those, in, the, in the 70s, um, you know, planes just got bigger. And so, yeah. like, they would have the, like, usually the, there was a lounge on the second floor. Like, you could go yeah. up, you know, you could go up revolving staircases and go up to, like, a badass lounge and hang out and have lobsters and shit. Um, <sighs> That's, and, yeah. And those were the days, like, in the 70s, that everything was bigger and sucked up more gas and spit out more poison. Because that was what we yeah, did Yeah, there the there's that, true. <laughs> <laughs> but that was what we did in the 70s. We drove cars that yeah. were, like... Six door cars that weighed nine hundred and fifty five thousand million pounds, and they would spit out, you know, gas fumes everywhere. By the but, way, mm-hmm. a very large plane. I don't know what it is, but it looks it's it's a big little symbol on the little on that flight thing, that flight website. Oh, the um, one that, oh yeah, that's right, yeah. the one that flight plan. What's it called? Flight village. Yeah. Flight, flight vi- uh, planefinder dot net. Right, planefinder dot net. So For people is... who don't know, you you actually. Tell, give the backstory a little bit about why you, <laughs> you constantly watch that. I live over the flight. Under. Egg, under the flight entrance and exit, you know, the, the path that they take to get to O'Hare. Right. <laughs> and I have to, I record voiceover uh, from my closet. Yeah. And I don't have too much fancy stuff because I don't, I don't have that kind of means to be setting yeah. up crazy things right so it's very basic so you can still hear the planes outside uh flying over back and forth and so i found a website where i could see them so at least i had a little heads up right <laughs> if it was coming so then you know i would stop momentarily rather than be- keep recording and then get it get ruined so i now just have it up all the time and i just kind of yeah. watch it just for fun and sometimes. And it's, uh, uh, yeah, planefinder.com? Plain... Planefinder.net. Planefinder.net. Okay, so currently yes. you are looking well, at it's, it. It's already over Lake Michigan, uh, but it's a it's a plane going to London. Okay. But American it's a big Airlines. A, but it's a big ass It's a big plane. honking. Yeah, of course. I mean, yeah, it's to London, so they probably have, like, nice yeah. first class, business class. Right, 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 right. All that. So Julie and I were driving down Lakeshore Drive this past weekend. I think it was Sunday. Mm-hmm. And we're driving down south. We're, set, we're, on set, we're hitting South Shore. We're on the south side. And we're driving down. And we saw flying over Lake Michigan, right to our, to our left, because we were going south. And so we were, we were looking to the east. And, mm-hmm. and it looked like a goddamn aircraft carrier. And I was like, wait a minute. I mean, not- yeah, they all fly. So they all have to. So they all kind of, I've noticed the pattern. 
that they do and it's you know wherever they're flying from they usually don't fly directly into o'hare they do like a little u-turn thingy and and they fly they'll fly into lake michigan and then do a little u-turn and then go through well i will Um, tell you this some of them you do see it but but a lot of times i'll see like a little just u-turn of traffic of airplanes well well, the reason we noticed it was one because it was a fucking huge like aircraft carrier and it looked like like bombardiers were going to be jumping out at any moment and Mm -hmm. it was really low like really yeah Yeah, they get i mean it's crazy that sometimes um i'll be here and sometimes you hear it and it's fine it's just like a whoosh and then sometimes just like whoosh i'm just like what in the hell yeah like and it's i'm sure it's depending on how big the plane is because the bigger planes you hear much more and who knows if they have to get lower because they're bigger and that's you know less time yeah. Because I'm thinking, like, that's a semi versus, you know, a little convertible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's weird because, like, it looked like something, as we were driving, I'm like, wait a minute, the Air and Water show was two weeks ago. What the fuck is going on? Because it mm-hmm. looked like the, it was that low and it was that huge. And it did not yeah. look like a, it didn't look like a normal aircraft that you would see flying in and out of O'Hare. It looked like, man, this thing is going to a military base. It was really yeah, I mean, crazy. the military base is up there. Yeah. Up in, isn't it Waukegan or whatever? So it could have been. Yeah. Something to do with that. It was just weird, man, because everybody like everybody was slowing down. Like everybody in their cars were also, like, "Also, what the f- what is that?" I don't know if I don't know how telltale it is, but it may. I, I feel like somebody was here, be it the president or or the first lady. Oh, or wait a minute, was Kamala here? I think Kamala was here, wasn't she? Maybe. Last weekend? I so it could have been that too. Yeah, maybe that's what it was. Maybe that's what I don't it was. know. Maybe. I don't know how those work if they work yeah. like on the ground when it's a car. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, maybe know, they that have, was like maybe many of it. them. I think <laughs> Do they I have think, many airplanes. Uh, I think you're <laughs> so right. You don't I, know which one is which. I think I, I'm, I'm almost positive Kamala was in town over the weekend. It was Sunday. Uh, so yeah, maybe that's what it was. But either way, it was very strange. It was a very large. Yeah, uh, you um, you don't usually think about it, but yeah, they are. They fly over Lake Michigan. You think they wouldn't? Yeah. Because I would think airspace or something, but I have no but idea. They, but they do. It was weird. So disaster movies, though, Ezra. Uh, so have you not seen it? Because airport. I don't remember what happened on the Concorde in nineteen seventy in the nineteen seventy nine airport seventy nine. But the, the, the gimmick was, because by that point, people were like, all right, we're sick of disaster movies. By the time that one came out, we had had every kind of stupid fucking disaster movie you can imagine. And so by the time <laughs> Airport 79 came out, we were all like, well, what? Okay, we've seen Airport 77. We've seen Airport 75. You know, we've seen Airport, all this other shit. We've had a hole in the side of a plane. There was a plane underwater. Now what? They're like, well, it's the Concorde. So the shit will happen faster. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. See that should be like, but it'll be faster, so the the movie's not as long. Right, it'll That's get you in and out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll get this thing over with as soon as possible. But George Kennedy is like in all of them, you know, because he's George Kennedy. Right. Well, you uh, know, good work if you can find it. No, oh, he did for a while, man. That's all he was doing. He was doing those disaster movies. <laughs> but there are other ones like like you know what? If you were if you're gonna go back and watch any of these, and I'm sure on on Tubi or YooHoo or Lippy or Smacky or whatever the those channels are that, that yeah. Uh, that you like to watch. I bet you they have, my, my guess is like maybe all of the disaster movies are available 
on uh, on those channels. I would I would guess. But if you want to look for like the best worst ones, like the most mm-hmm. entertaining, you need to see. Now, have you seen the Poseidon Adventure? I have not. Okay, heard now of that's it, have that, not seen it. That's a classic. It's where the big cruise ship flips over because of a tidal mm-hmm. wave, and then they all have to like. <laughs> yes. They all have to. They, the, now the boat is upside down. And the survivors have to find their way to the bottom of the boat, which would be the top, to you know, to, right. to so to, to get out before the ship sinks. And it's Gene Hackman, it's Shelley Winters, Jack Albertson, Red Buttons. I mean, just a, it's a lineup of '70s people led by Gene Hackman. Yeah. And by the way, you know who the captain of the boat of the Poseidon Adventure was? Who's that? Leslie Nielsen. Only he's plays oh, wow. it straight. Only he oh, plays boy. it straight. Only he plays yeah. it straight. Like he's really like the he's the guy who who if you ever watch the movie he's the guy who has the best reaction to the tidal wave because he's the captain. Mm-hmm. And they've been on it's it happened by the way it happens on New Year's Eve the whole movie happens on New Year's Eve so they have like a big countdown big party. Oh boy. And 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 this is I'm not I'm not joking about this I don't know if they still do it I think they still do every once in a while but the music box used to show it every. New Year's Eve, and mm. and they would coincide it so that the <laughs> countdown in the movie took place at midnight in the theater. So mm, okay. about about forty minutes into the movie is when they they do the countdown. So the movie would start at eleven twenty. So they would start it at eleven twenty p.m. So that when the actors, when everybody was counting it down in the movie, that's when the actual countdown happened in the theater. So you could celebrate, <laughs> you could celebrate New Year's Eve, you know, like the midnight countdown with Gene Hackman and the gang. Of course. <laughs> and then the boat flips over and then you sit there for another oh. two hours. And so, but anyway, the boat flips Fantastic. over and, 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 and Leslie Nielsen is the captain and he goes, Whoa! and puts his arm up because the, <laughs> because the t- tidal wave is coming. You have to look, if you just look up Leslie Nielsen, The Poseidon Adventure, you yeah. can see, I'm sure there are GIFs or GIFs or however they pronounce it, of him going, Ugh! you know, like looking at the tidal wave coming. Yeah. So that, that's Poseidon Adventure. Now, beyond the Poseidon Adventure was the sequel, Esmeralda. Mm-hmm. This is, without question, one of the greatest, worst movies of all time. Like one of the, one of the funniest shitty movies you will ever see like scream out loud funny and it's beyond the poseidon adventure it's michael kane and sally field uh jack warden um god uh god i can't remember who else is oh telly savalas is in it because he's leading a group uh because they're on the same boat they're in a different part Mm -hmm. they're they're in a different part of the poseidon (laughs) they're in a different part of the poseidon and then they're Jeez, trying to another get reason, another reason why I'm not doing cruise ships. Like, yeah, no thanks. You don't want that to happen. Yes. Um, so, so, but beyond the Poseidon adventure, Michael Caine screams every one of his lines, every one of his lines, <laughs> he screams them. And, and, uh, and you, I mean, you literally, you got, you have to see this movie to believe it. It is. And there are, have been a lot of bad movies. There have been a lot of bad disaster movies, but none of them are as hilariously awful as beyond the Poseidon Adventure, I'm telling you, you'll have a great time if you watch. Get a couple of cocktails, you know what I mean, and watch Beyond the Poseidon Adventure. You guys will laugh your asses off. It's so funny. <laughs> yeah, we recently watched uh, Volcano. Not seen. Or wait, that no, yet. no, 
No, which it was one? Dante's it, Peak. Okay, because those came out at the same time. Those Wait, came which out at the same the time. which one's the one with um, Pierce Pier- Brosnan? He, that's, Dante's, that's Dante's Peak. Volcano okay, is, we watched Dante's Peak. Volcano is Tommy Lee Jones. Uh, Dante's yeah. Peak Dante's Peak. And is, that was is, in L.A., wasn't yes, it? Yes, yes. <laughs> and Dante's Peak is, is Pierce Brosnan. Yeah, which, yeah. oh my God, I just, <laughs> that damn movie, that stupid bitch. <laughs> Wait, is it Anne <laughs> That old lady. No, the no, old lady. I don't no that one's in Volcano. Okay, shit, so I don't know. Was, I'm getting... <laughs> there was this old, essentially the one who was, who caused all the drama to, at the end because, yeah. so the volcano starts to blow. Everyone's like, no, it's, it's, it's a Jaws situation where nobody wants to like, because yeah. there's tourism and, and right. all that shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they're like last minute. It just starts. Everything starts blowing up into massive proportions. <laughs> this old lady who Linda Hamilton is the mayor. Oh right, her Linda Hamilton. Mother-in-law. Okay. Lives up on some mountain, and she oh this idiot. She didn't want to leave. She's like the mountain never did anything to us, uh-huh. and then then she's the volcano and everything is going off. So they're like. Please come down. They're like, no. she's like, no. So then the kids, Linda Hamilton's kids go up there. So then they got all go try to save them. Ugh. If this old so, lady so, do you remember who listened her? and not gone up. Do you remember who um, played her? The wait. grandma? Yeah. Wait, let me look it up here. 1979. Uh, Elizabeth Hoffman. Oh, okay. Elizabeth Hoffman know, wait, played yes. the grandma. Okay, Elizabeth. She's Hoffman. been in other things. Like yeah. I've, I've, I recognize her, but yeah. Oh God, she was. The, she caused everything. So, so okay. So now you know that came out at the same time as Volcano. They came out sometime. You yeah. Know. Oh yeah. No, yeah. They do the. <laughs> the next year, the following year, in fact, the next year, Armageddon and Dante's or not Dante speak Deep Impact. Right. Came out at the same time, and that was the giant asteroid going to wipe out the Earth movies. Yes. So Armageddon and uh, and Deep Impact they came out at the same time, and those both sucked. Um, uh, I mean, Deep Impact is better than Armageddon. Armageddon is a fucking terrible movie. Um, yeah, and then uh, what's the one with all the weather and um, the day after tomorrow or the yeah, was that the one where Jake Gyllenhaal runs from cold? Yes, Jake Gyllenhaal. Where he, where he yes. runs, from, he runs from cold, right? <laughs> Yeah, and his dad is Dennis Quaid. Dennis Quaid, yeah, that's the day after tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Roland Emmerich, the director of Independence Day, and and uh, and, and and so many other stupid heard, disaster movies. Did they already do this? I heard there was a second Independence Day. Yeah, no, it came out like. Oh, they already did that. That already oh, yeah, happened. Oh, it's okay. a, a massive, <laughs> massive piece of shit, and like. Oh, of course. And like twenty something years too late. Like, who the fuck cares about a Independence Day, you know, sequel? Yeah. It was also, called, I'm like, why would they come back? It's called Resurgence. Um, Independence Day, I think it was called Resurgence. And um, and the only, if I remember correctly, the only asshole who came back for the sequel, because not even asshole Will Smith came back, and he's a jag-off. Um, if I remember correctly, Goldblum's the only one. Yeah, Goldblum's the only one who comes back. <laughs> oh, no, no, Bill, Bill Pullman. Pullman's in it, too? He apparently still, he got reelected. <laughs> okay, yeah. Well, that's, have, have you ever, have you ever seen that, uh, um, that, that great thing that happens like during election time and during campaigns and stuff Well, they'll post it on social media. They're like, it's very important for you because everybody wants you to go out and vote. You know what I mean? You'll hear those, mm-hmm. yeah. those, you'll see commercials on TV and on the radio and you'll see people post stuff like, make sure you go out and vote. It's important that you vote. Every vote counts, blah, blah, blah. But my favorite one is make sure you go out and vote because, um, 
um, the mayor, uh, Murray Hamilton is still the mayor in Jaws 2. So it, that means you still have to vote. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Someone voted that man. Like, exactly. he keeps getting voted back exactly. in. I mean. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so he's still the mayor in, mayor in Jaws 2. So you're like, well, fuck, we have to vote. Like, if this guy can get reelected. Um, but yeah, so that was like those resurgence of those those movies. But in the 70s, because you, you got your Poseidon Adventure, Beyond Poseidon Adventure. And then everything, everything became a, a disaster movie. There was The Swarm, which was Killer Bees. Mm-hmm. And that was mm-hmm. like, a, and then there were a whole bunch of Killer Bee movies that, were, that came out uh, and also made for TV movies. They would do that too. Um, God, what were some of the other ones? There was Avalanche. There was, One of my favorites, Night of the Lepus. Lepus. Night of the Lepus. Oh, it's Lepus. Yeah, Night of the Lepus. Pardon yeah, That's the giant rabbits. Yeah. Right. Yeah, 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 Is there yeah, any yeah. other giant rabbit disaster movies? No, no. That's the only giant rabbit one. Uh, <laughs> the only, they were like, this isn't working. <laughs> and, and, and I don't know if you know this or not, but in, that, in, in the worst movie ever made, uh, uh, the second worst movie of all time is Ferris Bueller. I would like to mention that again. But the worst movie ever made is, natu- <laughs> is Natural Born Killers, the Oliver Stone movie. And mm. there are moments where Oliver Stone tries to artistically incorporate scenes from Night of the Lepus in it. <laughs> oh, all right. <laughs> sure. But the, I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think Janet Lee is in Night of the Lepus. Yes, uh, yes, she is. God damn that movie, Night of the Lepus. Uh, yeah, giant rabbits in slow motion. Like every shot of the giant rabbits is in slow motion. Right, even though rabbits are very notoriously fast yeah, exactly. animals, but you know exactly. <laughs> when they're bigger, he, I guess. And Rich shows that when Rich shows that one all the time. Rich showing that one a bunch of times. That's fan, on Sven Gulli, mm-hmm. and it's a riot when he shows it. It's an absolute blast. But yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, so giant rabbits. There was all kinds of. I mean, you know, but the and and there was uh, meteor, which was before Armageddon and before Deep Impact. This was in the seventies. Yeah. And C- Carl Malden and, and Sean Connery was in that one. Sean Connery said, "There's a meteor coming, and it's going to kill us all." You know that was. <laughs> that was like, oh my God! Seventies disaster movies. Um, there was tentacles. That was more of a Jaws uh-huh. ripoff. Tentacles was an octopus okay. ki- killing a bunch of people. Oh, okay, but just one. Yeah, one giant octopus. See, my thing is, like, you could avoid that so easily. <laughs> just don't go into the ocean. Right. right. It's not like, the, did the octopus come out? No. Well, it does. Was the, the beginning land? Of the movie. Wait a minute. Let me, let, me, let me tell you this. The opening oh. scene of the movie, Esmeralda, is hilarious. Because it's like a really terrible, like, Italian cheap movie where they got a bunch of, they paid a bunch of Hollywood stars to star in it. Uh, in scenes like like John fucking Houston is in it and Shelley Winters and in a lot of these yeah. movies in a lot of these movies um, these disaster movies of the 70s like Henry Fonda always played the president like they always yeah. <laughs> see Fonda. here's the thing yeah all through time actors need to make money yeah. yes they do <laughs> and now now more than ever Esmeralda now more than right. ever as we speak yeah but you know, whenever you watch those movies where you're just like, "When did this come out? And yeah. why is it a star-studded cast? Yeah. I've never heard of this movie." It's like they had to they had to pay a bill, they yeah. had the second house to and a payment was, to do. And it was uh, it, well in the case of Michael Caine, he admits it. He's like, "Well, I was in Jaws four because uh, it bought it, it added a uh, it added a swimming to a pool to my house, and I spent three months in the Bahamas." And he's honest. Yeah, about it. <laughs> I mean, hey, it's a job. Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> but but tentacles, the beginning of tentacles, Esmeralda, is hilarious because. There's a scene where a girl is pushing like a baby carriage mm-hmm. along a along the along the beach, 
Okay. And then she gets distracted and she, you know, and, and she's like, oh, and she goes to turn around and walk over and talk to somebody. And she leaves the baby carriage alone, you know. Sure. And she as, turns as around. you do. <laughs> and, and like the camera, the camera is on the other side of a highway. So that you see all the cars going past. Mm-hmm. And at one point, a big truck goes past. And when the truck goes past, the, <laughs> the baby carriage is gone because the goddamn octopus took it. Like, <laughs> now was she on the beach like yeah. the beach beach the it, sand it looked like it was like like a dock but it was right near a beach okay because i was she, just like that was yeah. a workout for that woman yeah Pushing and not only that but also, but also how can the octopus come to shore without being noticed you know what i mean like you're not going to be able to you know, I mean, they got all them legs, yeah. I guess. I don't know. They're but, sneaky. But, so what happened was like that she walks away from her, her baby carriage for like two minutes. And the next thing you know, the baby carriage is gone. And she's like, oh, my God, an octopus came out and took my baby. So that was I just the- love the fact that like you could ease this whole movie could end in like 10 minutes by just saying, like, don't go over to the ocean. Yeah. Don't do you see that part where <laughs> just- the baby was taken. See, don't go yeah. over there. Don't go over there. That that it's gonna grab you. But then there's no Done. need for John, for John Houston to show up. Then you won't have Shelley <laughs> Winters. True. Uh, but yeah, tentacles. That was it. But that was during those days when, also in addition to disaster movies, because of Jaws, we got like Animal Strike Back and Nature Strike Back movies. Yeah. That's what the, those all these movies were. They were the that was those were the okay. So the the Animal and Nature movies those were DC. And the disaster movies were Marvel. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know what I mean? That was what... Which, see, and then all of these, I'm just like, this is literally just a sign. It's, it's, it's a warning. Yeah. Don't mess with the damn animals. Right. Right. And, and another one with, with uh, Leslie Nielsen as well. You need to check this one out. Day of the Animals. Now, Day of the Animals was when... <laughs> All the animals strike back and start fucking killing people. But you have to see this movie for just one scene alone. In this movie, Day of the Animals, where every kind of animal is coming back and, like, killing you. Yeah. Uh, and there was always some sort of, like, ecology message to it. You know what I mean? Like a, like a well, message. Well, yeah, I was going to say rightfully so. Yeah. We mess with it, our we, we, yeah. we mess with Mother Nature. <laughs> yeah. And we don't expect anything to happen back. And that's what these mm-hmm. movies were all about. And, and yeah. But in Day of the Animals... There's a scene where, and again, not played for laughs. Leslie Nielsen fights a grizzly bear shirtless. In the- oh, <laughs> did, did he get an Oscar? He did not. Oh. He was he was completely overlooked by the Academy that year. I was gonna say he's the first. He's you know Leo's yeah. taken after him. He was that's like, right. Oh yeah, that's Oscar. right. You're right. Jesus Christ, <laughs> I didn't even make that connection. Holy shit, that's right. That's right. I completely forgot. But Leo Leo won his Academy Award for wrestling a bear. Yeah, uh, I, I remember when The Revenant first came out when I when I before I saw it and it was like being screened. I was mm-hmm. like, somebody was like, yeah, you know, he gets fucked by a bear. I was like, what? what? <laughs> that's that's a whole other what? movie. And, yeah, that's no, I'm like, movie. but 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 there was like a rumor going around. We're like, yeah, that's why there's all this controversy because <laughs> Leo gets fucked wow. by a bear. And I'm like, wait it's a minute, a ten he... minute ten minute scene, just that. <laughs> it's a little long, but you know, artistic. <laughs> Like, what? And that's why he's going to win the Oscar because he gets fucked by a bear. Not only, not only does he like, fight hmm. a bear, but, but but Leo gets raped by a bear, and that's like wow, that's Oscar material right there. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I mean, that's yeah. Oscar material. Because didn't get, he actually fight a bear or something? Didn't the, he? Wasn't a real bear in there? Well, it's mostly CGI the way it was put together. 
Um, but, but there was it part there? of it was a re- yeah there was a trained bear and he was you know and they had a stuntman and him, but it was mostly like CGI because um, Alejandro Inarritu uh, directed it, mm-hmm. and you know he did Birdman and did all these other like movies and his he did a movie called Bardo last year which I love that everybody hated, and he's kind of known for like the weird sort of sneaky camera work and stuff mm-hmm. that he does, and so yeah that was that, it was really brilliantly done. I mean I think that I think The Revenant's a great movie. I know a lot of people don't like it. I think it's great. And um, I think DiCaprio's phenomenal in it. Um, and goddamn Tom Hardy. Um, was it like, I just imagine. <laughs> Do you remember an Anchorman where uh, when the, yeah, they yeah, found the bear yeah, pit? Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and what's his face? Um, I can't remember his name right now from The Office. He's just like, the bear is tickling him. <laughs> yeah, and it's uh, it's Carell, Steve Carell. Yeah. Yeah, he's like, yeah. stop it. I'm ticklish. Yeah, yeah. The bear is <laughs> Yeah. That's what I imagine happened. I love Lamp. <laughs> I love Lamp. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's uh, yeah. No, it's, but I, I, no, you got. But uh, yeah, that's the Revenant. But but if you ever see Day of the Animals, shirtless Leslie Nielsen is, and at one point I think he's like shirtless and he yells at the bear, "Let's fight!" or something. He's like, "Son of a bitch!" And there's like, it's it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. So you got Day Day of the Animals is fucking classic, and then the one that kind of started all of the animal stuff, and this is before Jaws was a movie from 1972 called Frogs. And you know my favorite animal is a frog. Oh, God. <laughs> and, and in Frogs, which, by the way, Sven has shown many times. It's a classic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Ray Milan plays an asshole, a rich asshole, who has fucked up the entire uh, ecology. He's fucked up the rivers. He's fucked up the air. Yeah, he's polluted course. everything. And the frogs decide to lead all the animals back and attack these rich assholes who are having a party on the 4th of July. Nice. And you know, because they're Al- the least, they're they're the least uh, that you would think of all the animals. Yeah. you would not think that frogs are going to come after you. That's right. But so, the frog, it's know, not just sneaky. the frogs because the frogs, ac- according to this movie, the frogs sort of telepathically control all the other animals oh, and wow. make and make them do their bidding. So people get killed by snakes. They get killed by spiders. I mean, that's killed. true. You know, yeah. the the bear or the bears, the frogs can only do so much. That's right. So they have to that's evolve. Right. Yeah, and with the telekinesis. So you know. And, and so you got telekinetic frogs telling the the wilderness and the animals to fight back all these pollutant assholes led by Ray yeah. Milland. And and you know who we know, one of the other uh, interesting things about that movie is that it stars Sam Elliott sans mustache. Mm. Yeah. If did, you he, ever... did he not have one in uh, Roadhouse? Oh yeah, no, yes, of course he does. Yeah, he's got one in Roadhouse. Oh, oh yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. If you look him up, by the way, because you know, I mean, I mean, Sam Elliott is a fucking beautiful man. Like you go, ooh, yeah. Like I get weak in the knees looking at Sam Elliott. Yeah. And, we just watched but, Tombstone. Oh so. please. <laughs> you want to talk about mustaches, motherfucker? Does that movie have some mustaches yeah. in it? Oh Holy yeah. Holy crap! Does that movie have impressive mustaches? Um, but no, but look up. <coughs> you can Google Sam Elliott in the movie Frogs, and mm. then. When you see him sans mustache, he's even hotter. Like, you look at him like, God <laughs> damn. But it's weird. It's strange. To see him without the mustache is strange. But once you get so, pa- it's such a big mustache. And it's such a good mustache. Like, he's got one of the best mm-hmm. mustaches ever. But, like, when, when, the, when you know, the first image, when you look at Sam Elliott in Frogs, you'll go, oh, my God, he doesn't have a mustache. And then once you get used to it, you go, oh, my God, that's the hottest man I've ever seen. Like you, <laughs> like. Can you go Goodness. Google it? Google Sam Elliott in Frogs. Yeah, yeah. And and you'll be like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
So, yeah. But no, so yeah, Frogs was one of the original ones. I saw it at the drive-in with my parents when I was a kid. Oh, wow. And I love Frogs. They're my favorite Yeah, the, uh, the Day of the Animals, this storyline is very... What are they, uh, how do they describe it? How do it, they, how it do they... I'm amazed it hasn't happened. Uh, the depletion of the Earth's ozone layer by yeah. CFC aerosols has been yeah. causing increased exposure to UV radiation at high altitudes. Scientists <laughs> observe that animals over 5,000 feet in altitude have become highly aggressive towards humans. Yeah. I'm amazed yep. they haven't already. Yep. Yep. Like in real life. Why? Yep. I, 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 we should put a call out to the frogs to tell the other animals it, to do. <laughs> I will tell you, though. I mean, it's amazing that. That this is still a thing. I mean, it's bigger than, I mean, it's a, a serious issue, a real issue in the world. And it was a real issue in the 70s, like when these movies were being made. So it shows right? you just how, how much has not changed. <laughs> because, you know, we know, where the, money, we know where the money goes. We know, we know where all the money goes. So it doesn't, it's never going to fucking change, clearly. You know, if we were making, if we were making movies about this in the early 70s and it's now 2023 and we're still making movies about it. Right. Clearly, it's an issue that still exists. <laughs> that still exists. I mean, Ugh. yeah. But no, you got to check those out. Those were our in my when I was growing up. Those were my DC and my my, my Marvel. You know what right. I mean? It was either an oct- <laughs> it was it was either an octopus grabbing a baby off of a pier, or it was a plane stuck underwater with a drunk pilot. Those were that was it. Those were our DCs <laughs> and Marvel. That's where we went. Oh my god. So, but yeah. Uh, yeah, those are, those are classic. Those are, those are classic. I love that you got, you got angry about uh, the old lady in Dante's Peak. <laughs> well, because she caused everything. Yeah. <laughs> they had to go rescue her. Ugh. They're in a boat with Acid Lake. Like, come right. on. Right. I remember, I do remember parts of that. Because I, I, I can't tell one from the other. Um, right. You know, like I get confused about, I mean, I don't get confused about Armageddon and Deep Impact because Deep Impact was a much more serious movie. That's with T. Leone, right? Yeah. I know Morgan Freeman was the president. Because there's that scene where, she, like, the th- whatever is coming at them. And it's, it's T. Leone and her mom ma- and her dad. And they're just like, all right. <laughs> yeah. And I remember that one was that one was played ser- more serious. Because Armageddon's a Michael yeah. Bay movie. It's, it's, a, it's mm-hmm. a Bruce Willis, Michael Bay piece of shit movie. And it's all about, like, big heroics and bullshit. Yeah, and, uh, exactly. and but but like but Dante's Peak was like, what would happen if an if a meteor really came, you know? And I remember well, no, Dante's I remember... Dante's Peak is um. Is it oh a... no, I'm sorry. No, no, not that. Deep Impact. I'm sorry. Deep Impact is what I'm talking about. Right. Deep Impact was like taken much more seriously. And I remember like everybody was like taking it very seriously. And I'm like, well, because this movie came out in 1998. Deep Impact. Mm-hmm. So we were. 10 years away from our first black president. Mm-hmm. And I remember so I said this when I reviewed it, I'm like, no, this is a science fiction movie because Morgan Freeman's the president. <laughs> They're never right. gonna, we're never going to have a black president in this country because of racism. <laughs> so I said, the sure sign that deep impact is science fiction is that Morgan Freeman is the president. <laughs> oh God. And, and, uh, but, but, it's, but it's true. Like that was like, yeah. never going to, you know, this, this country is so fucking racist that they're not going to elect a black president. It took 10 years. You know, before, right. before that happened. But at that time in 1998, I'm like, yeah, this is a piece of science fiction. It's a black president. So that, uh, you know. So anyway. Um, so uh, Deep Impact, Armageddon, Volcano, Dante's Peak. They all were like at the same time. Uh, I, I, I wonder why there wasn't a whole rash after Tentacles. I wonder why there wasn't like 27 <laughs> octopus movies. Um, <laughs> I don't know. 
<laughs> was there like a campaign to not disparage? Yeah, maybe at some Octo- point they were like, you're making, yeah, you're making Octopi look bad. <laughs> Octopi are very nice. Yeah, because they're very, I mean, even even sharks. Yeah. Right? Because they don't attack you unless they think well, you're an otter <laughs> or a they, seal or whatever. But, but I'm telling you, though, Esmeralda, when Jaws came out, you weren't alive. I mean, it was ridiculous. The yeah, I mean, I, no, people weren't wanting to go in pools. No, they were like, "I'm not. I will not take a bath in my house." You know, for fear of a fucking shark coming up the drain. Uh, sharks, yeah. Mm-hmm. They're gonna. Uh, yeah, it was it was ridiculous, completely ridiculous. I don't know. Uh, hey, you know, maybe this is a topic that we because some of these movies are scary. Maybe this is a topic we can tape up, take up with our live audience on October twenty fourth. Yeah. Uh, you see how I segued, Esmeralda? You see yes, how slick I Yes, very nice. Yeah. Good job. Uh, the Nick D Podcast is live on Tuesday, October 24th, back at Zany's in Rosemont. It's going to be me and you, Esmeralda, if that's not enough, because mm-hmm. we're great. You know we're great together. Yeah. And we're going to talk about scary mm-hmm. stuff. We'll have some Halloween candy that we're going to be taste testing with the audience. We've got trivia questions. We're going to be giving away prizes, uh, Gale Street Inn gift cards for dinner, uh, apt electronics. we got a magic uh, megaphone to give away. Um, Very nice. And my dad will close the show by coming up and telling some jokes live. Um, and it's on Tuesday, October 24th, Zanies and Rosemont. Doors open at 6.30, shows at 7.30. Tickets are on sale now. Get your tickets. Let's jam the place. B- invite your friends and neighbors and all that stuff. Rosemont.zanies.com. Rosemont.zanies.com. Tickets are on sale now, or you can call the box office at 847-813-0484. And our special guest, Esmeralda, is the great Andrea Darlis. Very who, nice. Who we've worked with for years at the old car wash, WGN. And uh, and we're going to have her up on stage. You know, I've never actually interviewed Andrea. Mm-hmm. Like, I've worked okay. with her. I, I worked with her yeah. for many, 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 many years. And I still work with her when she she's over at WLS, and I work with her on the Steve Cochran show. But I've never actually sat down and interviewed her. Oh, you know? well, so, there so you we'll go. Get, now you have your chance. Now we're all, <laughs> we'll, we'll both be able to talk with Andre and interview her, and she'll be a part of the live podcast. So it's going to be a blast. It's going to be hilarious and entertaining. We're taping the thing. Be a part of the live podcast recording. It's interactive. You're going to laugh. We're going to have a great time. And it's Tuesday, October 24th, Zanies and Rosemont. Showtime at 730, rosemont.zanies.com, or 847-813-0484. Andre Darlis, special guest, me, Esmeralda, my dad, and all kinds of fun stuff. So be there. Nick D Podcast, October 24th. Zanies and Rosemont. So, and maybe we'll talk about uh, tentacles. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Just tent in general. Just yeah. oct- we're, we're huge octopus fans. Big fans of octopus. <laughs> so that's coming up. Hey, by the way, <clears throat> um, you know, um, Monday we'll be back. Or sorry, Tuesday mm-hmm. we'll be back for another mm-hmm. uh, episode of the Nick T podcast. And guess who's going to be joining us, Esmeralda? Oh, who's that? He's British. Well, he has a submarine. Oh, and he's the finest uh, game show quiz master in all of Europe. Oh, wow. That would be slap. Uh, no idea. Oh, slap, slap. <laughs> I was trying. I'm sorry. Uh, OK, I fuck, yes. I, set, I set up the bit. You went with it and then I fucked it up. All right. Very good. Very good. So you want to see that live? You want to see me fuck up bits live? Come to the Nick D podcast on October 24th. <laughs> And see Esmeralda set up the bit, and then Nick not work it. That's how that's how it works. <laughs> God, you work with an idiot, Esmeralda, and you know that. Um, <sighs> all right. Well, anyway, so that's that's what's happening on Tuesday. Slap Slapley will join us in this segment, and then Keith Lipinski is going to join me. He's my pro wrestling expert, and we've got a lot mm-hmm. of pro wrestling stuff that we're going to be talking about. 
So that's all coming up on the uh, on the next episode. Be a sponsor. Advertise with us. Um, You can. You can do that. Sales at RadioMisfits.com. You write to us there. Leave your voicemail message at 773-417-6948. Anytime you want, 24-7. Drop us an email, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. My thanks to Jason Skaggs for all the music and the themes and the sounds. Uh, My thanks to Ed Silla and to everybody at Radio Misfits for doing We Couldn't Do It Without Ed. And rate and review us on every platform and check us out on uh, radiomisfits.live, which is a 24-hour streaming service that you should check out. And uh, Esmeralda, I will see you uh, on uh, Tuesday. Have mm-hmm. a fantastic weekend. I understand that you're doing a lot of dog, dog sitting. Yes, just hanging out with dogs. Hanging out with dogs all weekend. <laughs> we'll probably hear some some stories about that coming up on, uh, on Tuesday as well. So thank you, Esmeralda. Yes, thank you. And thanks to everybody, and we'll see you on October 24th at Zanies and Rosemont. It's the Nick D Podcast. Thanks for listening. The wind is right on me.